Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about Infinity Train. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal in the podcast car. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? Uh, I guess I am technically the most wanted if uh, Lake got off of there. And I'm not sure how uh, <laughs> if if uh, one one's really giving a shit about the Apex kids um, in terms of like considering them criminals or anything. Doesn't seem like it. So I guess I am by default again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because, like, 1-1 one, one is basically incapable of understanding crime as a system, you know, so... <laughs> yeah, but he also doesn't really, like, think things through at all in terms of, like, people trying to cheat the system. <laughs> as we quite clearly see them do. <laughs> yeah, it's like, to 1-1 to one, one, there are rules for everything, but that's only for 1-1. One, one. Everyone else just kind of does stuff randomly, and that doesn't have to follow any kind of pattern or logic. Well, I mean, he presumably at least still cares to try to get people to, like, grow and get off the train. I mean, that's what he says the train is for multiple times. That's what he says it's for, but that doesn't mean he cares about it. That just means that that's what the rules are, so that's what has to happen. I guess brings up the larger question of did the train create one one or did one one create the train? Who came first? Um, <laughs> well, we'll be getting into that. Rest, rest assured. Then. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's that's plenty to come. We're we've got a heavy episode today. So, mm-hmm. how's your week been in the meantime? Uh, you know, pretty uneventful. I at least had a phone interview today, which uh, is now going to become a like actual proper full interview. Well, I mean, still remote, but nice. uh, just through like Teams. But it's going to be one that I have on Tuesday in the afternoon, and I have one that's actually a different, unrelated one in person tomorrow, at least. So, hopefully, I'm at least on the path to having an income again. Rad, yeah, I'm happy for you. Yep. And actually kind of jealous. I haven't so much as gotten a we-got-your-resume letter. Yeah, I still I still feel like it's just a case of since you're not Canadian and you're in Canada that they've just not been responding at all or looking at it. Listen, they don't know I'm in Canada. I don't put my address on the... Oh, well, I meant like in the times that you've been looking for stuff there in Canada, not just back home. Ah, well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But no, I mean, I'm looking for... I've kind of given up on Canadian jobs at this point. I'm just trying to find something for back in the States. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a fun process. <laughs> Looking, and job hunting sucks. <laughs> it's always <laughs> annoying whenever it's like, oh yeah, you can just uh, submit your resume to us, and then they send you an email being like, we don't accept the resumes through email. You need to submit one through paper in the mail. And it's like, the fuck are you? It's 2023. <laughs> Now, see, that would be at least, like, a recognition, right? I haven't gotten that. Nobody has confirmed that they got my resume or told me not to send them anymore. I guess. It's just annoying. (laughs) It's just, it's a dumb process. (laughs) It's it's just annoying. I'm not as, like, uh, interested in the one that I have tomorrow, just because it's, like, it's really more, like, front desk kind of stuff at, like, a, like, medical rehabilitation like center rather than the one that i uh phone interviewed for today and i'm doing the other one on tuesday which was basically just like pretty much the same job i had the last two times the ones i had in right. north carolina and earlier here in connecticut 
basically just fully like, yep, it sounds like that's just this again. <laughs> have pr- plenty of experience with that shit. As opposed to, I don't really much fancy having to be like the front face of a company after like occasional phone calls. Because, yeah, it turns out that stuff is annoying enough as is. Yeah, on the fact that a uh, trans person can, uh, has to really be on their point and on their game all the time to not have people be like, how come this person who has a lady name sounds more like they might not be lady? Because, yeah, no, fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, that, that does sound frustrating, mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. Yeah, because, I mean, it's like, I get that like, I still, like, at times don't really maintain my voice during this. But again, I find it's just harder around people I know, because, you know, they're not going to say anything, because they're not going to give me shit, for the most part. But uh, when it comes to, like, people I don't know, it's I find it's easier for me to actually maintain my voice around them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know, I guess, like, in my case, I don't do a voice, so I'm not super concerned about that, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... I get it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you are looking down the barrel of going back to Texas at a point when states like Texas and Florida are very much trying to genocide us. Yay. Yeah, uh, that's... Listen, I don't know what happens if I have to go back to Texas on account of it is now illegal for trans people to be in Texas. Yeah, so. uh-huh. I mean, it's like, you, you posted that like law that passed that is like basically trying to frame it as just like mm-hmm. dealing with, uh, uh, fucking, uh, why am I doing a blank in the term? Uh, uh, drag performers. Obscenity, yeah. yeah, but it's mm-hmm. like, it, you know it's going to be perverted to attack anybody who's queer. Yeah. Uh-huh. It always is. Yay, fun! This country fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah, it surely does. The really cool part is that that law doesn't go into effect until September, which means uh, no one can sue for it until September, because that's the earliest someone can possibly be hurt by it, so... It's just uh, like a big ol... Big ol' guillotine hanging over our heads yep. for the next three months. Yep, and and Greg Abbott's there with the scissor at the rope, just waiting to cut it. Mm, not even. Well, he and <laughs> he and Ted Cruz. Well, it's just like because when the law goes into effect, that's just the day, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have anything to do with that, so yeah, I guess. Still, they are the ones that set up the guillotine. Yes, exactly. It just means we need to steal it for our own purposes. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a good thing that, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we don't fully, like, tell people, yeah, you should totally grab, like, uh, murder implementation and use it against uh, the powers that be that are fascists <laughs> on this podcast. Because uh, we would definitely be on the watch list if so. I, w- I mean, listen, we're two queer people. We we, we kind of really are doing a podcast. Somehow. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you have admitted <laughs> the crimes <laughs> to some degree when you tried to make a bomb at your work when you were fifteen. <laughs> so yeah, 
If if us like uh you know saying hey steal the guillotine back and use it on our oppressors isn't enough to get us on a watch list, I would think you would say oh yeah I tried to make a bomb when I was fifteen, had <laughs> like a nice mm-hmm. ice cream parlor probably would have gotten you on one. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Nah, it's like it's sex. Not good. Nah. I at least got other shit done this week. I finally got to the DMV because I was supposed to do that Wednesday afternoon of last week, but that was got distracted because uh, you know, my phone fucking broke. <laughs> so, but I finally got out there on Tuesday. I I I do not understand the purpose of appointments like in any regard really because it's like you go to like a doctor's appointment and it's like they don't see you for like 45 minutes. I sat there at the DMV for like 75 minutes before they finally called me up. And mm-hmm. my entire process took like 15 minutes. It was just, okay, here's my probate court order, here's my old ID, here's my new social security number, here's the paperwork, the one form I need to fill out with the name change from one to the other. Please just make it work with my uh, like license and my registration. And also, here's my old registration, obviously. So it's like, <laughs> boom, done, sorted, no problem. And it's like, I had to wait here for 75 minutes in this crowded as hell DMV on a I, I figured out why it seemed like it was so busy because apparently that DMV is only up until 4 on a Tuesday so that's why it was like a little bit crazy because I was there at 2 but it's like it's still the, like a, a workday afternoon school's not out <laughs> or anything but there was still to- so many people there and it's like cool I'm the only one here wearing a mask I hope I don't get COVID from this because <sighs> people don't give a shit Yeah, I mean, we've kind of been going that way for a good while now. Yeah, it's just really fucking dumb that it's like, yeah, we still keep, like, having people be like, oh, COVID, don't, like, nobody talks about that anymore, and it's like, how the fuck do you not talk about it, because, like, we, we still get a lot of people getting COVID every fucking day, and people just don't yeah. want to fucking <laughs> believe that. <sighs> Hey, at least they threw the leader of the Oath Keepers into jail for 18 years. That's something, I guess, sure. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he was he was a direct part, of, like one of the leaders of the insurrection. So, yeah, it turns out you have to give at least some consequences to some of those fuckers every once in a while. Even if they still are too uh, fucking cowardly to try to actually toss Trump in jail over it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating, but it's something, I guess, at least. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just... It, it, it's very, like... I don't even know how to talk about it, right? Because I don't believe in prison. That's not the system I stand by, and yet... Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. one we've got. Yeah, it's like, it, it's it's a shit system, but it's like, we kind of have to put up with it. And also, to be fair, that guy should not walk free after what he did. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, to be fair, once they actually elect a fascist to the presidency, I fully expect him to give this guy a pardon and let him out, because uh, they're all shits. Yeah, well. Yep. Speaking of, if anybody's interested, like, Greg's Abbott? Uh, lives on Nightingale Lane in Austin, Texas, so... <laughs> I don't have the house number, but I have a picture, so just let me know if you need that. Uh, it reminds me of like when Musk was trying to claim that people were doxing him on Twitter, and it's like, your address is publicly known, my dude. 
It's like you're trying to say yeah. the president yeah. is in the White House and lives there as doxing the president when it's like, that's the White House. Obviously, they stay there. <laughs> it's kind of well fucking known where they are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I... I don't have the address, because they do keep that relatively under wraps, but, you know, it's something to think about. People killing our planet have names and addresses. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, yeah, uh, with that out of the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I basically haven't done anything this week. Um, I mean, apart from feverishly Googling uh, where my elected officials live. <laughs> <laughs> In Minecraft, of course. They live over by the big tree. Oh, you have no idea. There's so many big trees by Greg Abbott's house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's my joke. Escalated. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no. Uh, I basically have done nothing. I watched Fast X and... Uh, that's about it. The cars go fast. They do car fighting sometimes. It's cool. I I've never watched any of those movies ever. I I feel like there was like a time where I wanted to actually watch like some of the like earlier ones, but then I feel like I just kept hearing just so much more insane shit over time of like these these movies are just superheroes but with cars instead of like powers like shooting lightning. Their superpower is car. Like if I'm honest, that's kind of the most frustrating part about the Fast Ten movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like I, that's what the series is now. You know, yeah. in six they fought a tank, in seven they fought—I don't even remember what they fought. There, in there seven. Was that, in eight they fought a submarine. There was that spinoff where they both, where two of them fought like the super soldier guy. Who I think was Idris mm-hmm. Elba. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was Idris Elba, yeah. and he was playing a nano machine son, augmented cyborg super soldier. <laughs> uh, and then in 9, they fought a spaceship, and then in 10, it's just regular car fights again, and it's like, come on, you escalated all the way to space, and now we're back on the highway? What's up with yeah. this? <laughs> like, it's like, did they just, like, soft reboot this at some point? That they were like, we need to ground this more or something? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it was, like, when I saw a trailer for, like, whatever the most recent one is in a movie theater years ago, where there's, like... They just fucking straight off drive off a cliff and shoot like a grappling hook into something and swing the car around. I was like, I, okay, I think I made the right choice by not caring to watch these. Because <laughs> if this is where it goes, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, but you're objectively incorrect. Because in The Fast and the Furious, there's a scene where two men are just big burly men fighting on top of a parking garage. And then one of them says, you know the thing about a street fight? The street always wins. And then he does a Hulk smash and the garage collapses under the other guy because he took away the street. <laughs> I can't understand why Dan Riker of all people likes this fucking series because he likes Metal Gear and this sounds like dumb Metal Gear bullshit. <laughs> it's not. It's goofy action movie stuff in the absolute best way and I love it. That's Metal Gear after like the first two Metal Gears. <laughs> Actually, I guess, no, technically after the first three. I think it's Metal Gear 4 is when the stuff, stuff gets really fucking dumb, because that's when they have, like, the little mech that moo and stuff running around. 
I mean, it's always been fucking stupid and goofy. There's straight up, like, a b- multiple button prompts in MGS3 where you can just have Snake zoom in on a lady's titties. <laughs> <laughs> but it- okay, but hear me out. In Fast 8, a hacker hacks every self-driving car in the city, and then the five guys on the Furious team have to fight an entire city's worth of self-driving cars. And they still win because it's Elon Musk making Teslas and their crap. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh boy! No, it's great. Um, yeah, no, d- no, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I've only the the most recent time I was in the movie theater was to see the D and D movie. I do have tickets to see Across the Spider Verse because, turns out, at least my unexpected un- unemployment uh, was useful for one thing, which is I can go to the movie theater in the middle of the day when ideally nobody will be there. <laughs> <sighs> so yeah, I'm gonna do that Thursday afternoon before my electrolysis at the least. That's pretty solid, yeah. Uh, hmm. I wonder how that'll go, because Thursday afternoon, that's the first day it's out, right? Uh, so. well, I guess because, again, like, whenever they say a movie's out, it really starts airing Wednesday night. So, you know, kind of kind of a coin flip. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yep. Uh, the last when I when I got my ticket, I saw based on their website that like there were only like two books that were taken at that moment. Or, that's solid, yeah. Yeah, like there were not really any that were there at the moment besides me and like a few others. So I think it'll be all right. <laughs> I mean, it's like I already was just around like a hundred fucking people that were on mass at the DMV. I can't imagine it being worse. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, as we've seen, it can always get worse with uh, this bullshit. I don't know. It's very, to me, like... Canada was so much better about it for so long. And in the past two months, it's just all gone away. It's done here, too. And, like, that really kind of scares me. Because if... Canada is done, how much worse must the states be, you know? Yeah. It's real fucking bad. <laughs> Although I feel like it's like pretty much bad in like ninety percent of countries at this point in time. Yeah. Like, I mean, how often have people just tried to been like, but but I got my vaccine two years ago. That means I'm immune and it's like it doesn't fucking mean you're immune, fucking dumbass. <laughs> Uh-huh. You can point to me where it's like I went almost the full, like basically the first the first whole three years before I finally got it. And it's like I've been getting my vaccinations and boosters as soon as I could ever do so, and I still got it. Uh, I have thus far managed to not, but that's gonna go away real quick when I start working in the public sector as a fa- uh, customer facing employee. Yep. <laughs> It's just all screwed. Uh-huh. <laughs> Done! Yay! Yeah, no. Well, speaking of everything being ruined, would you like to jump into Infinity <laughs> but this, But not everything is ruined, in it? It is in my episode. Uh, <sighs> I guess. <laughs> it gets better, like, immediately, because much like a lot of the episodes in this season, the, the even-numbered episode takes place immediately right after. <laughs> yeah. Well, these last few, they just kind of 
run together more or less immediately. I think this is like 10 minutes after episode uh, 8 Yeah, tops. it doesn't feel like it. it Maybe like a few hours at most until like while they're sitting there on top of the train or something. Very quick. <laughs> also, why, why, why is there... Why am I keep seeing this clip from the, I guess, the new Barbie trailer where Barbie says, do you guys ever think about dying? <laughs> uh, because it's bright and pink and over-the-top positive and also barbie has depression which makes it immediately relatable to everyone okay to be fair i haven't watched the trailers (laughs) it's like the queer moment of the summer all of a sudden because barbie is pink and happy and depressed at the same time is the barbie movie actually gonna be good (laughs) uh yes the barbie movie is going to be fantastic they actually let mattel be the bad guy okay that's pretty good Like, cause, like, I feel like it was, like, what, maybe, like, two or three years ago that they announced this movie, and everybody's like, why the fuck are they doing a Barbie movie? Because, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they still make Barbies, right? I, to, I'll yeah. be honest, I, like, the only glimpses I have into, like, the shit that kids actually play with these days are from the few times during the totally legal Owl House dreams that we got for the midnight when there were, like, a few little shitty commercials every so often, where it's like, god, these <laughs> these terrible, like... Not even Polly Pockets, but, like, basically that, but, like, Bratz-level quality of these characters, and it's, like, they're all fucking, like, randomized loot boxes, essentially, and it's, like, this is a fuck. this sounds like a fucking nightmare for parents. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, it extremely is, but Barbie will always be Barbie. She is perennial. I guess, yeah. I mean, Barbie's been around since, I think, when my mom was a kid, and I guess she's still around this day, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's i don't know how to say it exactly but just like i didn't have any obviously and my sister didn't really either and yet somehow i have become extremely plugged into the esoterica of the barbie franchise <laughs> yeah i so i, I don't know that yeah. much like my sister had a bunch of barbies growing up but it's like i, I never really like experienced any of that stuff because gender yay <laughs> Yeah. So I, I I don't know. I don't feel like like even like the like plastic toys that dress that you dress up would even have appealed to me, even if I did figure out stuff a lot sooner. Cause... Yeah, I mean they're not the most fun toys, but I think that's part of why they're so enduring, right? Is because they just don't do anything, and you're forced to use your imagination to make them interesting. Yeah, but that's what Legos were for. <laughs> But Legos were cool yeah, because you could, get, are... you, guess you could get the little, like, castle guy with the cool ghost person. Or, like, the, like, ice planet stuff with the spaceships. <laughs> yeah, but again, that's, like, Legos are... How do I put this? Legos are a toy with a very specific prescribed way of playing. And Barbie is not that. Barbie is just a person. I guess. Barbie yeah. can do literally anything as long as you put her in the right outfit. <laughs> this is true, yeah. Like it, it, it's like it's like uh, Barbie has a superpower where she just needs to put on a, like a certain person's clothing and she gains all their knowledge and powers. <laughs> I mean, basically. I, I, I guess she's Kirby. <laughs> Barbie Kirby. <laughs> she's just wearing a person's clothing instead of warring them to get their stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's what Kirby does. <laughs> Kirby has eaten multiple sentients and slain multiple gods, all to take their powers and eat snacks. <laughs> that, that's Kirby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. How do we fucking get on to Barbie 4? <laughs> or Kirby 4? <laughs> 
Because we were talking about Barbie life in the dream house, and you can't stay away from Vor, apparently. <laughs> I don't recall bringing up Vor at all on this podcast till now. You literally just did. Well, till now. That's why I specified till now. <laughs> when in the past. You asked how we started talking about Barbie Vor. Yeah, but when in the past have I brought up this before until this episode? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, Elfangor. <laughs> That's a different podcast, and also that <laughs> happens like five chapters in, and y'all were also agreeing that that's more. <laughs> that's on you, me, and Kate equally. That's not on me. <laughs> also, that's on Kate Applegate. This, 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 us equating Barbie to Kirby, that's a me thing. That's me <laughs> equating those two things together. That's Elfangor gets bored. That's in the fucking book. <laughs> that is five chapters in. That's just canon. <laughs> <laughs> Again, because it's like Visitor Three could have just killed that guy. He chose to eat him instead. Visitor Three is the one with the kink, not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you insist, I'm gonna have to start a new counter. Oh, <laughs> Cross podcast counter. How many times does I mention uh, fetishes? <laughs> uh, I was just thinking specifically about people getting eaten, but sure, if you want to broaden it out like that. For the record, listener, I have never had any sort of sex of any sort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh. I'm not going to say either way whether I have, because I feel that it is inappropriate to air that if other people are involved, because then it's a two-person decision. So there you go. That's fair. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, somehow we said we were going to get into the episode, and now we're talking about our sex lives. So let's talk about some other people who have never had sex in their entire lives. <laughs> oh, please. Um... Yes, so, uh, my episode this week is Book 2, Episode 9, The Tape Car, and y'all, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah! It's weird how much I dislike individual scenes from this season, considering how much I like the season as a whole, you know I, what I, I mean? I mean, like I mentioned to you via just a private message, it's like, why, why does the car have to look like it's all full of cum? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we're not there yet, but I just I, I have to address it at the top here. Why'd they have to make it look like they're just stepping in a big cum car? <laughs> okay. Um. So we open with MT and Alan Dracula just kind of chilling on top of the train as it rolls by. They're like sort of staring at the handcuff that is still attached to them as they remember that they were forced to do a murder. And, you know, are still traumatized by what they just witnessed and or slash did. Uh, and then they break out of it and explain to AD that the plan is to wait for one of those passenger pods to fly by, to grab it and hijack it, and then get taken to the source, which is presumably the place passengers come from, and also probably where they get their numbers. And if they can find that, then MT can get a number two. Perfect plan. Best plan they've ever had. Honestly, though, it's actually a plan. It's, um, it's, I will give them credit. It is a better plan than uh, most people in this show have had, and by far better than Animorphs, if we're just going to compare stuff to Animorphs now, too. <laughs> like, I'm going to be real here. They have a plan, which is more than anyone in Infinity Train has ever done before. True, yeah. <laughs> like, to, 
with the possible exception of Simon. I mean, Simon's plan is to be a shit. <laughs> Simon's plan was to murder a child before the other child got back, yes. Yeah. And also um, to, like, muzzle a deer. Yeah. Um, so the uh, MT also kind of asks for Alan Dracula's help with this, because since Jesse is gone, AD is the only one here, and if he's turning into, like, a snail or a broken car or whatever, that would really mess with the plan. And he seems to agree with this, because he just sort of lays his head in their lap and gets some scratches. It's definitely the most affectionate he has been, as far as, like, him initiating affection, you know? Yeah, I mean? like, like we've, we've had hints that, like, Alan Dracula does, like like mt and jesse and stuff yeah. and like has actively like you know hung around with them because he wants to it's just that like he's never really like been this like outwardly affectionate towards them exactly yeah he's mostly indifferent until they feed him and <laughs> yeah also i just have to but... say in terms of like animal companion from the train i like him so much more than atticus i feel like atticus <laughs> just did not get a whole lot to do is the thing well, yeah, there's like a line there, because Alan Dracula doesn't have a ton to do either, but it's okay, because he doesn't need a ton to do, he's just a deer. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I I think it's just because, like, he's at least just, like, even though he's just a deer, he's entertaining, because he just, like, does silly shit at times, but it's never, it doesn't really <laughs> ever feel like it's, like, distracting from the things around him, like... He's basically just doing stupid, silly stuff while the the, the main characters are progressing the plot. Like, you know, when they're running towards the cat and all, and he's just rolling after them as a pickle barrel. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like he's not slowing them down. He's just doing that because he wants to. And meanwhile, like, Atticus kind of just was there just to be like, I'm the dog companion. I'm going to do dog stuff. I'll bark at a mirror of a dog. And it's like, I don't know. I think he... I think that just... I feel like that was just a little bit distracting, but also to be fair, like Anakin's also didn't really have much of a character arc. Yeah, I think I think it's mostly just because he actually did have voice acting that it's like, oh, I kind of was expecting him yeah. to have an arc. Cause like, Tulip obviously had an arc. One one kind of had an arc, just in terms of like figuring out where he's from and trying to find what he thought was his mother. And turns out that's just a big computer. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of a line there, right? Cause it's okay for him to be a character, but. As short as the episodes are, and as short as the seasons are, it's hard to fit another character arc in. So, yeah. in terms of, like, construction, you need to almost justify why you're adding another character, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I guess I... Like, I don't think he subtracts from the show, but he also doesn't add anything, and that's a problem. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just, like, I think back to, like, if King really didn't have much of a character arc and was just there for, like, jokes and to be a little shit at times like he is back in season one that it's like oh that would have been that would have been way worse like it's great that king actually yeah. has like has the chance to do, to grow as a character because like you know he first has that moment of like really having to grapple with the fact that he's not somebody special or at least he doesn't think yeah. so back in season two episode three and then finds out oh he's actually the last titan in existence and has to turn, come to terms with the fact that he's been living on his dad's corpse for ages. <laughs> well, I mean, when you get down to it, even Hootie had more of a character arc than Atticus did, because he learned some stuff about himself and grew a little bit, and that's more than Atticus did. Yeah, but also Hootie is, like, really more there as the side character. Comic relief is the thing, like... Yeah, but that's my point. They, they fill the same niche, right? They're yeah. the same sort of, this character is here to do a goofy thing, yeah, like like Hootie got it, like 
Yeah, Hootie got an entire episode devoted to him trying to help out his friends, even if that episode was still mostly about them with burning their arcs and stuff. It was still Hootie actually taking the initiative to do stuff. And then having to be banned from never helping them again. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we're not here to relitigate season one, so... We'll talk about Atticus again in a few minutes, don't worry about it. Um, oh, well, I mean, he's super dead, as one one says. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's just this little moment of realization for MT, as they they suddenly realize that they can't take Alan Dracula off the train with them, which means that they're going to be separated. There's no way for them to stay together. And MT is kind of, like, talking out loud and kind of convincing himself that it's okay to leave him, and you know, it's not fair to force that journey on him, and they, they can't make him leave if he doesn't want to, which is true, but it also feels like they're trying to convince themselves of that because they just realized this. Yeah, a, a little bit. Like, they, they haven't really thought of this up until, like, between when Jesse said that he was going to take them off the train with him, and then, you know, only really started to actually think about that once they yeah. couldn't get off the train, you know, with Jesse. So it really does feel like, oh yeah, I didn't really process this of like, is it actually okay to bring this deer because this is not a pet? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that, but it's also in a way, I think, because MT thought that they were going through the portal with Jesse, right? Mm-hmm. And they specifically chose to separate from Tulip. So if they go and leave Alan Dracula behind, that is the first time in their entire life that they are like making a choice that their friend cannot participate in and I, that's like that's a big deal <laughs> yeah i was like yeah but, empty realizing like i have to do this for me and it's not fair to you to drag you along just because i want exactly to yeah yeah ah, um right about as they're finishing up this monologue uh, a pod whizzes by so mt just kind of jumps on it like it's a horse running past and they're a cowboy <laughs> and it, it's just zooming down the train but we get a brief flash of the inside which is one one doing like a pre orientation video of him showing his 17th favorite type of giraffe on the train and like the dude in the pod is entirely unconscious he cannot see this video it's just for one one and uh then MT just sort of bashes their way into the pod with brute force and uh, just pulls this guy out. Uh, he is very confused at what's happening, which it almost immediately turns to terror because Alan Dracula has become the spectacular spider deer, by which I mean uh, he has become a horrifying deer-spider hybrid with eight legs and mandibles. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. I mean, I have it in my notes here being like, oh, Dracula's such a good guy, and I like him a lot. He's such a good companion, but why is he a spider now? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know... I Look, again, we established Alan Dracula is a regular, normal, everyday deer, but why is he uh-huh. had to be spider? <laughs> Well, he needed to catch up with the pod, which was moving much faster than deer do, so he, uh, as everyone knows, web-swinging is the most efficient way of transporting yourself. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, to be fair, we did just see, like, that new, like, uh, gameplay clip of Spider-Man 2 just, like, yesterday as well, so, I guess. Spider-Man doesn't ever run after things, he always web-swings. Listen, there's a whole verse of these spider guys that are just webbing around. Clearly, they can't all be wrong. Um. Well, I mean, uh, I I don't remember, but like Penny and Spider don't, or SP, whatever, Spider's whole 
abbreviation is for the robot. It's like he doesn't. It's just spider, they really yeah. don't swing is the thing, right? They mostly are just like climbing and jumping. I think. Uh, it's. I'm probably gonna end up rewatching Spider Verse before Across the Spider Verse just because, like, you know, it's a good movie, and also now that I'm curious about this being like, does Spider actually swing? <laughs> I don't think they do. No, but it's also frustrating just on like eh, it's comic book stuff. Don't worry no, about it. Apparently, um, Penny can access the spider web-like material inside the robot to swing. At least this is according to. The, I guess the actual like Spider Verse wiki, which I, I am both surprised and not that there's a full Spider Verse wiki, because like yeah. I thought Penny Parker is in like comics as well. Well, because that's the thing, right? Is that Penny Parker in the comics is extremely different. It's a book created by Gerard Way, who you may know as um, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 uh Welcome to the Black Parade, mm-hmm. and is. Truly a fantastic comic book creator, did Umbrella Academy. Penny Parker was very specifically an Evangelion story. And oh, okay. they kind of <laughs> just turned her into generic anime girl for the movie. So I truly don't know what she can do in the movie because she has barely any lines and is not the comic book character. Yeah, like it's you know, I mean she kinda suffers the same like general fate as Spider Man Noir and Spider Ham, where it's like they're just the side Spider People characters. So they don't really get as much of a focus on them, unfortunately. And pretty sure none of them are returning for Across the Spider-Verse. I don't think so. I believe that is correct, yes. Which is, like, not surprising. They want to focus on, like, you know, all the other ones that are, like, pretty important. Like, uh, Miguel O'Hara. And (laughs) Spider-Cat, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, but everyone loved that skin from Spider-Man PlayStation. Well, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, to be fair, is where Spider-Cat comes from. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, but that's still Spider-Man PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, It's really... uh, Again, we don't don't need to keep focusing on Spider-Verse, but it's also really weird that Spider-Man from the PS4 game does actually appear in the credits and apparently in the background in some shots of Across the (laughs) Spider-Verse. Like it's like I don't think it's that weird. They're both Sony productions. I mean, I guess, I guess it's just design? it's just that it's like a oh, weird pull that it's like they have like so many other spider people that they don't reference, and it, it's also again like they have that line about talking about the MCU Spider Man as well in this movie. Well, like to be clear, because since these are not Marvel Studios movies, they're restricted to Sony properties, right? Mm-hmm. And Sony doesn't have comic book licensing, they have their character. So it makes total sense for the video game Spider-Man to be in the movie, because that is one that Sony has total control of. That is a Sony character. Okay, that that tracks. (laughs) It's Licensing is super weird, especially with a character like Spider-Man, but yeah, it's... (laughs) Yeah, God, I'm just now looking at like the list of all the new Spider-People across the Spider-Verse. There's a fucking lot of them. Yeah, because yeah, like, even just on this, I'm seeing Spider-Woman. I don't think the spot is a Spider-Man. I think that's just a villain, right? Yeah, that's just a criminal. Spider-Man India, who I did not know existed. Spider-Punk, Scarlet Spider, and Spider-Bite. <laughs> With a Y. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I've, see- I've seen yeah the Cyber-Spider-Verse, and I've seen them in the trailer, right? <laughs> and then, of course, like also, like... <laughs> yeah, Yuri Lewenthal as Spider-Man, because that's Yuri Lewenthal from the... Mo- from the-, the- Spider-Man video game. 
Who's this other Josh Keaton Spider-Man? <laughs> oh, tell you this. Oh, that's the one the, from uh, the Spectacular Spider-Man. Okay. Oh, yeah. We're <laughs> they're just pulling from a lot of sources, huh? <laughs> yeah, and think about how they have to license each individual Spider-Man yeah. they want to appear in the movie. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm now. I got to the point of unvoiced characters: Cyborg Spider-Woman, like two different other Spider-Mans. Superior Spider-Man, another Spider-Woman, Lady Spider, Sun Spider. Who the fuck are all these spiders? <laughs> There's a lot Captain of Captain Spider. <laughs> anyway, I just want to go ahead and give the movie props for reinventing uh, Spider-Man India because Pavatir Prabhakash, his design is kind of crap in the comics. Uh, yeah, that's that's not great. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like a regular Spider-Man costume on top, and then harem pants and pointy shoes. <laughs> yeah, the, the Spider-Verse version looks a lot better. Yeah, kind, very Kind of so. reminds me of uh, Kamala Khan's outfit, actually, a little. It's definitely got the same color scheme going on, but I don't... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Spider-Man. <laughs> that, was, that was a very interesting... Oh, right, few, yes. That was a very interesting few months to be a fan of Spider-Man between the PS4, the PS4 game and Spider-Verse 1. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, yes, now that you have distracted me with comic books once again, um... <laughs> uh, you see how easy it is for it to derail me. All she has to do is say Spider-Man, and here I am. Um... <laughs> What? And it's worse because I brought it up, kind of, because I used the phrase "spectacular spider deer." For... Yeah. <laughs> now, now the real question is: Are they going to put Spider's Man into the movie? <laughs> I sincerely doubt it. But Spider's Man is a funny joke. I just like the thousands of spiders all convinced their Peter Parker bit. <laughs> Spider's Man is a tragedy character and a horror. Oh character. yeah, no, He's I not... don't doubt that. It's just that I find that. <laughs> premise of the character pretty amusing that it's just a bunch of spiders just <laughs> taking the form of a dude for some reason <laughs> like I don't know putting putting spiders man in the spider verse movie would be roughly on the same level as putting xenomorph superman in a <laughs> I guess also why why is there a character called Spider Cop in this movie? I thought we were trying to get away from copaganda and spider properties. Uh well, uh if you've been reading Daredevil recently, Chip Zdarsky has been doing this pretty incredible uh run on I'm sorry, I'm doing it again. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's essentially Zdarsky's point is that Spider-Man is a glorified cop no matter what he tries to do because he doesn't advocate for any kind of reform of the system he just runs around yeah, punching people who do crime I, and I, sending them to jail I guess, yeah <laughs> and that's just bluntly not good enough anymore <laughs> no matter how hard people say spider-man's a good man that's not like being a good man isn't enough when a good man is upholding the bad system yeah kind of like how batman just kind of does the same where he just beats people up and tosses them into arkham well it depends on who's writing the batman but yes yeah i um, feel like as in a generality yeah because like especially in like you know the arkham games <laughs> turns out in the games that have arkham whatever the fuck in the title turns out batman just kind of keeps tossing people into them <laughs> Okay, but what if Batman broke into the jail and beat people up? 
Or they just made uh, the jail into a portion of uh, Gotham City and just let them kind of wander around. <laughs> that's that's a great <laughs> idea. Uh, fucking, who's the mayor of Gotham City? I always forget. <laughs> Uh, and there, I mean, there's like not a consistent mayor, you know. I guess I'm trying to remember it's... back to like the uh, the Christopher Nolan Spider, uh, not Spider-Man, Batman movies, and I guess no, there isn't. I, I think I was mostly thinking of Commissioner Gordon, but I don't think he would have the authority to turn portions of the city into a jail for supervillains. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a very bad idea, especially when one is a big old crocodile man and could probably just get away by going to the water. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh... But yes, uh, Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil, a very good uh, exploration of what superhero's place is in the media today. It's the only book I've seen that talks like this. Um, Anyway, uh, off of Spider-Man, off of Daredevil, uh, so the old dude sees Alan Dracula as a spider, and he just takes off. He books it down the train, and he's absolutely going to die. It's super unsafe on top of the train. Yeah, I did see that there's like (laughs) trivia about this old man where the crew are not in agreement of what happened to him. Like, some think that he got picked up by a different pod, some think he was eaten by a gome, some think he just got smashed by another train car. <laughs> like, kind of like Maze, where the, the man's just dead, but it's, like, pretty much agreed upon, except for the few that think he found that he got put in another pod that just think, yeah, that guy's dead. <laughs> well, yeah, because the thing, like, when the trains go up on top of each other, right, that indent that he's running down, that is the mm-hmm. line that the train yep. cars run down. Yep. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to go bad for him. And even if that doesn't happen, he's like thirty stories up and needs to climb yeah. down a sheer wall. <laughs> well, I think I think there's hasn't there been points where they've shown no, they haven't shown another ladder down there because I was a I was thinking of no, that's why the uh, apex yeah, uses was, those grapple I was thinking packs. of the bit where Tulip kind of climbed a ladder to get into the like the unfinished like the second unfinished car that's near the engine, but that's like a different specific case. Yeah, yeah, that's not like all the train cars having that because otherwise people would just circumvent tops of the trains and get squished all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this this guy, mysterious fate, but definitely a bad one. Um, either way, MT squeezes into the pod that they ripped him out of, and AD becomes a chrome hood ornament, and then for some reason it just starts flying back the way it came. Which is very confusing in the moment, but fortunately one one is here to clear that up with a documentary, because since something on the pod broke, it's being taken back to the tape car where the numbers are assigned. The pod will be fixed and sent out again lickety-split, and it actually doesn't matter since the people in the pods are asleep, so there's not a point in recording this, but whatever. Uh, and yeah, then he just kind of starts baselessly speculating about what's happening to Atticus, and two of those options are that he's dead. So, <laughs> But one one, you're forgetting that Atticus died last season, not this one. <laughs> well listen there's a new Atticus so <laughs> no we saw the corgi gun I don't think he's using the corgi gun to make clones of Atticus <laughs> well yeah but like hmm, how do I put this so if you get turned into a monster and then the monster gets turned into you is it the same you or is it a different entity entirely oh boy because the gome was not atticus the gome was definitely its own thing this is getting into some like uh teleporter in star trek uh disassembling you on a subatomic level then reconstructing <laughs> you from the ground up so are you even the same person anymore <laughs> oh boy uh, philosophy of transformation fetishes let's go <laughs> um 
And so we, so we got a sort of a cutaway, because we don't know how long this trip is at all, just that it's long enough for MT to fall asleep, and there's kind of the indication that it's dark now, but that's very strange, because it doesn't really get dark in the wasteland, no, so it, I think it's just a shadow. Yeah, it's just always that, like, bright, dead red or whatever color. Yeah. But they wake up when 1-1 on the video reports that they are here, and mentions that the tape car is the only one that projects the universe outside the train instead of in it. That is right, the wasteland is in fact the tape car, the train is inside itself, that's why you can't leave the train, don't think about it's it. horrifying. Um, <laughs> and it was also at this point when they had like the wide shot of 1-1 speaking that I realized that these pods are also what Amelia used for her mech suit's head, because, you know, <laughs> it has like the like wave sign or whatever uh thing when he's talking like yeah, took me exactly. up until that point to be like oh that's the that's where she got the head for her robot <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes uh so the pod gets brought into the car and just sort of slots into a spot on the wall it looks very matrixy and then um because it turned vertical to do this this causes mt to fall out but they're okay because there's only like a seven foot drop so there's no falling damage um yeah, they're pen- they're playing Elden Ring, not Dark Souls. You can fall like more than ten feet, and then you don't die. <laughs> <laughs> There's some kind of like weird robots here that they they really remind me of the Mousers from Ninja Turtles, just kind of crossed with Amelia's mech. I get the feeling that she probably ripped some of them up to make her tech. Oh yeah, I, I can see it because they have like the little like two feet. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they yep. definitely do seem like they're a hybrid between like the the steward and a mouser. <laughs> Yeah, and that same kind of the the neck wires thing. I think that's yeah. yeah. Um, Man, you just have to wonder how nobody in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series, when they saw the masters being created, were like, "These are definitely going to be made used for evil immediately, huh?" <laughs> like you think that anybody in R and D would be like, "Why are we making these terrible things?" <laughs> well, we're making robots that specifically exist to murder animals, so. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that's uh, fine. This is definitely not a setting where there's giant mutated animals, and also where like there's super villains who are just injecting them with all sorts of weird goop or wasp DNA. <laughs> definitely not. Well, that's the thing, right? Is because if if you go back to the Ninja Turtles classic, mousers were introduced in issue two, and no one knew that there were turtles yet. They were just like a mouse trap. Fair, yeah, this this isn't like how I remember in like the original like Fox TV like uh, Saturday morning cartoon where there's just like straight up a season where like the triceratops aliens emerge on earth being like we want the fucking terrapins and people are like okay i guess there's both like uh, triceratops aliens and also teenage mutant ninja turtles are a thing now okay (laughs) maybe we should hand them over to the triceratops aliens because maybe they'll go away Uh, like, the first time they show up in the comic books is a pretty graphic scene of them murdering a mouse and devouring its corpse. Oh. It's 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 bad. And then, within a single issue, uh, April O'Neil, who at the time was a, like a robotics lab assistant and not a reporter, uh, sort of says something her boss doesn't like, and immediately he decides, oh, well, I have these robots, let's just use them to murder my assistant. Oh, cool. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it took him like twelve seconds to get to that yeah, conclusion. Yeah, immediate escalation. Not even like, oh, there's t- there's mutant turtles out there. Let's use them against them. <laughs> Just immediately, like, yeah, well, no, pure yeah, coincidence. Should, should, he didn't know they were down there. I should there. go ahead and actually have it kill my assistant. He was a person. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Like, he rigged the elevator and everything, so the floor dropped out from under. <laughs> was this also back when- He dropped her into the mouser pits. Was this also back when, like, uh, Raphael was, like, the leader or something instead of Leo? <laughs> uh, nah, that was- as far as I know, that's only really a thing in the most recent cartoon. Oh, so. okay, yeah, because I, I remember, like, there's also, like, an older, like, version of the Ninja Turtles theme song where they actually refer to Raph as the leader- but, like, I mean, as a kid, I always just knew Leo as the leader, because he's blue. <laughs> Therefore, the, the, the uh, blue guy is always the leader of the group. I don't know what you're talking about. They all wear black, obviously. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm referring, of course, to these comics, which I was raised on, in which they all have... They're all in black and white, so you can't tell. Yeah, it's, it's very much like a like Huey, Dewey, and Louie situation where it's like, I didn't know who was who until like 2020. <laughs> because they Probably actually let them have that, different like... personalities for once. <laughs> well, even like when they were on the covers or whatever, they all just had red, so. Yeah. <laughs> the, the color didn't get added until the cartoon show. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's also because, like, with the sake of the cartoon, it lets you more easily identify who's who. Because also, like, more yeah. little kids are watching a cartoon compared to a, reading a comic. Well, the comic is definitely not for little kids. They uh, they absolutely do murder the Shredder in the first issue. Oh, fun. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine like, and gets better because he's Shredder. <laughs> uh, I'm... Uh, Shredder! Uh, I mean... <laughs> Okay, but how do you, like, stabbed 27 times and then blown up with a thermal detonator? Like, sometimes he's, like, actually secretly a robot or turned into a robot later on. Other times he's an Ultron, or a, not a new, Ultron, a Neutron, or whatever the little alien guys are. And he's not actually... Yeah, with an M. Yeah, and he's not actually a person, but he's rather one of those little guys in the waist, so you gotta stab him in the torso instead. You know, sometimes he's also, like, drinking the mutagen or whatever the fuck. Like, he's Shredder. He's, he's always, he always gets better. He's like Bowser. <laughs> you can only get rid of him for a little bit. Even if you dunk Bowser in lava and he turns into bones, he'll be fine in a few levels. <laughs> uh, not, not this time around, no. Okay. Um, there is a Shredder who appears later in the comics, but I believe that is a different character. Okay. <laughs> It's frustrating and weird. Yeah, I'm also now just thinking back to like that like weird CGI in Ninja Turtles movie from like 2009, where it's like, what continuity does that continue on? Because they're like, Shredder is gone, but like his like adopted daughter is like alluding to the fact that Shredder's still around. And they're like, what? Are we putting a sequel hook in this? And then they did not make a sequel. Because <laughs> the movie was. I mean, yeah, Karai is just always around. Is the thing. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um. Darn it! It happened again. Okay. <laughs> what a day this is, huh? We're just pinging off all my special me, interests. Me, okay. Meanwhile, we're like, oh, we have like pretty, uh, two pretty big episodes to cover. Stuff happens, and we keep getting sidetracked with stuff like Ninja Turtles or Barbie Vor. <laughs> it's. It doesn't count. It's the same episode. <laughs> you can't say that this is three times. Not. Not that. I just like comic books are so much a thing for me. And my somehow accidental expertise in Barbie lore is... We're just bouncing from everything that is something I deeply care about today. And I don't know how to feel about yeah. it. It's so weird, because I don't think I'm doing it on purpose. No, I feel like it's partially me, because also like we were talking about Spider-Verse for a bit. Because it's like, I'm seeing the movie in a few days. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah no, well, it's... I mean, yeah, I don't know. At the very least, I did bring up the Mousers. Yeah. So, that's kind of on me, and then we talked about it for another 20 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it wasn't 20 minutes. It was something like that. Definitely not 20. <laughs> Remember that issue where Donatello kills Jack Kirby? No, because um, I didn't really <laughs> ever read comics as a kid, is the thing. <laughs> I was... They got made into an episode of the TV show. <laughs> Wait, which one, though? <laughs> I remember what... The original one, the I Fox remember watching one. some Ninja Turtles cartoon as a kid. I remember watching the Fox Box one, and I don't... I have not watched... I I've not watched any of the more modern Ninja Turtle like, series at all. <laughs> That's a shame. They do some really good stuff. I have, I like, I have yeah. seen a lot of the animation of the most re- of the, like the Rise of the TMNT, and people say it's good, even though like people were at first a little bit off put by the art style. Honestly, I really loved the CGI one. That was right before that. That was fantastic. Uh, which one was that? Uh, I think it was 2015, 2016. Uh. It was just called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, okay. so it wasn't like. Yeah, it's frustrating to Google. <laughs> Turns out that when you, when you just have like like eight different <laughs> series just called TMNT, it's kind of hard to narrow down one. Uh, twenty twelve, apparently, my mistake. Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was some really good stuff. Oh, okay. 12 is in 2012, not 12 is in 12 different Ninja Turtle series. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the only thing I didn't like about that series was when they changed Leonardo's voice actor, and the way they did it was he got hit really hard in the throat, <laughs> and then his voice was just different, <laughs> and they said it was because he got injured. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty goofy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, uh, turtles aside, (laughs) (sighs) these weird mouser-looking robots do not notice MT, and, uh, well, Dracula just becomes a snake and kind of drapes himself over their shoulders, and it's just pretty cute. They just kind of sneak away. But they find, like, uh, uh, over a balcony, just almost film reels zipping up from the bottom of a clouded abyss, and... MT makes the immediate decision to just uh, go down there. That's that's we're not going to explore our surroundings at all. We're just going to go down there. Um, so they slide down a fire pole and wind up in a white foggy void. Um, the film is shooting up from things in the ground. I would describe them as like follicles. It honestly kind of looks at this point like they shrunk down and are walking between the hairs on a person's head, and each of these is just an individual hair follicle. But uh, it's, it's still, that's not it's still, super what's happening. It's still happening. all white and goopy and gross. <laughs> yeah. Why is everything <laughs> on the train so fucking weird? The <laughs> <laughs> train is inside itself. It has to be weird. Doesn't, that's got to be some kind doesn't of have to. Metaphor. My skeleton is inside me. It doesn't mean my skeleton's weird. <laughs> yeah, but your skeleton is not inside your skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> it's inside. Like it's a part of me that's also inside of me. <laughs> Yeah, but again, it's like the, the entire train is inside the train. It's not a part of it. It's it's entirely contained within itself. It's it's uh, 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 like a Mobius train. Um, 
Okay, put it in terms I understand. So it's it's a bunch of people who decided to live in the uh, never-changing future where, like, well, technically the future never happens because they just live in the always never-ending now, and they can turn into big, all nasty flesh monsters when they, like, turn in if, by themselves or by fusing into others. I gotcha. Uh, sure. You, you gotta get the Ouroboros <laughs> to kill them. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Xenoblade! Uh, the train might be the Ouroboros. <laughs> like... It is kind of a snake eating its own tail if you take metaphor into account. Anyway, um... Yeah, it's also really weird that there's, like, a bunch of Ouroboros imagery all over Tears of the Kingdom when it's like, they just released Xenoblade back in July of last year. <laughs> what are you doing, Nintendo, releasing two games of Ouroboros imagery in the span of a year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a thing. It's been a thing for a I couple know. thousand years for a reason. Yeah. Unfortunately, the shrines in Tears of the Kingdom also look a bit like Goatsy as a result. <laughs> 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 like there's two snakes that are near that are poised near the entrance and it looks like it's pulling it open it's just i'm not the one that noticed that i saw the people be like why is this goatee and then i saw it and i was like i can't unsee this now <laughs> that's that's right. just in the game it just looks like it <laughs> <sighs> um so MT and Ellen Dracula basically just they they drop to the grounds to get uh, avoid the view of one of these sort of chunky bird raptor whatever you want to call them robots. You know why I'm having so much trouble describing the way they move? It's because they move like Barney, and I don't want to say Barney the dinosaur. <laughs> um, <laughs> so wait, so which Barney do you mean then? That's the one. Yeah, I just okay. I I didn't want to. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, uh, while lying down, MT does get a good look at the film and realizes that these are people's memories. Uh, we see three scenes from a kid's memory of killing her pet, and it's bad, and I'm just going to skip yeah, it entirely. We're not going to recap yeah, those scenes. Uh, like, <laughs> this is unfortunate. Like, I guess I'll just briefly say it now. This is actually pulled from like one of the crew's uh, traumatic childhood experience where their pet snake got killed accidentally. <laughs> they just decided to put it in here fully. <laughs> It's bad. Yeah, that, it's bad, but mostly the thing that upsets me about it is the fact that there is a very clear picture of the dead pet on screen. Yeah, it's not yeah, good. It's, um, it's bad. But yes, so skipping over that, MT is curious about this and kind of pulls at this like follicle thing, only to realize that if you peel the goo back, uh, the kid is just like embedded in the ground and the tape is coming out of her head. There's a bunch of tiny one ones that are just circling around, almost kind of looks like a hair bangle, but they flash green to signal that the tape is done, and one of the bigger robots comes over and just slurps it down like spaghetti and leaves. Um, Again, everything on this train is so fucking weird for the sake of being weird. Yep, it doesn't have to, it's terrible. It doesn't have to slurp this person's memory tape down like spaghetti, it just decides to do that. <laughs> it does have to do that, that's how they work. But, but one one or the train or whoever designed all this shit could have made them work different. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to design them to suck it down like spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, um... The robot just kind of turns around and leaves, and this lets MT know that they don't actually see MT, which is good, but when they try to walk away, they just kind of fall through the ground. They, they get sucked down under the whiteness like everybody else, and they're dropped into what... I, I kind of described it as a vein system, just a bunch of veins crisscrossing and moving through a giant body that we don't see and alan dracula doesn't fall with them but they're sort of thrown out in 
It's like a river of bodies. It's just this white fluid that is transporting passengers all around. It's like, and again, I'm keeping the vein imagery, but it's it's gross. Yeah, it's it's like the end of like a, like a water slide, but it's still the gross white goopiness. Yeah. I, I also um, did, at this point, I had realized that it's like, we never really got an implication of just how many people are actually on the train at a given point back in season one. Like, we had, like, the, the bit with, like, the screen showing a few passengers as we got to Tulips to, like, call her doorway and all. But it's, like, this kind of puts into perspective that there's just a lot of people on the train at any given notice, at any given time, huh? Yeah, if you pay attention in this episode, the, the train processes a new passenger roughly every 50 seconds. So yeah. that's at least one every minute and sometimes more. Like there's there's just a lot of people who keep going missing and from society as a whole. And apparently nobody's really like making it public knowledge <laughs> about there being a weird moral lesson train that is all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd think someone would mention that. Especially because, um, like, as we'll see next episode, like Jesse tells his brother immediately about the weird fucked up train <laughs> i guess i guess they're um, like well we're sworn to secrecy because we have to protect this chrome person now i don't know we're anamorphs we have to protect somebody who doesn't look like us <laughs> uh, well listen we got a lot to talk about next episode um uh, yeah, so the the kid from up above slides down the tube, and MT just kind of follows her branch of the river, where it leads to a huge console that the people kind of slide into a pool right at the base of the console, where a robot, the robot that ate their film, has composed it into one of the tapes that suck people in. And then the robots review the tape briefly, and a giant laser needle etches a tattoo onto the hand of the person they're reviewing. Uh, MT did it. They found it. They found the uh, the tape. The, the number machine. And uh, and then they say oofda, which I love because they're still from Minnesota no matter how hard they try to be punk. I do have that also as trivia. That it's like apparently, I guess, Tulip's like, uh, upbringing in Minnesota did influence uh, MT's vocabulary a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I never so noticed men... that that was like like Minnesotan like, slang of sorts, because like, I've definitely said ufta just at uh, times, and I grew yeah. up in New York. <laughs> yeah, it's like... How do, um, so Minnesota has a very large uh, like Norse-Swedish population. Mm -hmm. That's just where they ended up moving, and so that exclamation kind of naturally evolved based on the languages. Okay, That's, that's why when MT says it, it's so much of like an ufta. It's not... It, it, it's more of an exclamation than a word, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess. But either way, uh, the, the, the man who is being reviewed gets put in a pod and sent away. His number is like 5,000, which is pretty bad for him. But uh, uh, He's still, <laughs> he's still doing of... better than a group of like 20 asshole teenagers and also Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yes. Hi, Ziggy. But... <laughs> <laughs> It's just not a good starting point, is well, all. No, he's gonna be on the train for uh, a while, considering that like Tulip was on the train for like five months and she only had a number in like the triple digits, and like low yeah, triple like, digits. From what we see of his tapes, he's very much like an '80s movie dad who spends too much time at the office and doesn't play with his kids mm -hmm. and needs to learn how to. That's that's what his movie is. He's just on the train instead of meeting a quirky teenager or whatever. <laughs> but. Uh, yes, so MT just hops into the Goo River uh, next to this person that 
they've been following and does apologize like they say that they're sorry but basically they think that they need this more than the human does which i guess i understand why they might suspect a human would do okay without a number but also this is definitely a dick move either way yeah this, uh, is, this is still basically consigning this little kid to be stuck on the train forever if they don't have a number because they can't get off <laughs> Yeah, like, I guess the hope would be that the conductor would figure out that something was wrong, but the question is if the conductor could do that. If the train is infinitely long, and if they're processing a human every minute, he's pretty busy. Um, yeah, and also he's 1-1, one, one, so 1-1 one, one is just not perceptive at times. <laughs> yeah. Like, usually. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how to... Sorry, I don't know if I necessarily... One one isn't not perceptive, he just gets so wrapped up with whatever he's doing in the moment that it's hard for him to... <laughs> That's fair, yeah. He's, he gets hyper-fixated on stuff. <laughs> exactly. Also, it's like, Amelia was able to figure out that Tulip was on the train, like, ages ago. Like, oh, within, yeah. like, weeks of her being on the train in terms of her potentially being a problem. So it's like, there's probably some automated system that's like... Hey, boss, we saw that there's a person on the train who doesn't have a number. Uh, maybe fix that shit, or have them brought here. <laughs> if nothing else, we know 1-1 is personally monitoring every passenger simultaneously somehow. <laughs> he's a robot, he can figure it out. He's able to, he's he's probably yeah. able to, like, uh, have multiple feeds go through him. He, he's he's yeah. the kind of person who has, like, 18 tabs open all the time, and is like, but I need these! And it's like, he has, like, Spotify going in one. He says he has a uh, let's play on mute or very low audio on the other. He's also playing like Elmer Ring <laughs> at times. He's just mo constantly multitasking because he needs that much visual overload to actually get through the day. <laughs> yeah. He's also looking at his phone. So... <laughs> <laughs> I want to see one one try to use a cell phone. He's the phone would be taller than him. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um. That's it comes up to the girl's turn to be reviewed and mt just puts their hand like in front of the laser the robots do not attempt to stop this but it's made very apparent why a second later when the laser just sort of passes right through their hand and zaps the kid anyway and the kid only got an 86 so much better place than that old man um, yeah, they just have to like process the fact that pets eventually die sometimes it's accidental sometimes it's just because they got sick or old yeah it's really, that just kind of just reads as, like, that's the reason why they're on the train, right? Because <laughs> the only bit we saw was, like, oh, their pet got accidentally killed. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, I read this as a lot more sinister than that. Like, obviously, I don't know the trivia, but it it seemed to me like the kid maybe did the killing of the pet. That, that's so how I read it. That's how I read it, accidental. too, just because of, like, the scene when, like, the mom's asking if they want help with it, and they're like, no, I got it, and then it just cuts to the, the like, one of the dead. So yeah. I, I definitely feel like they accidentally dropped the rock on him or something. That, that's definitely what I felt like, yeah. but since you said that it, it's based on a specific accident, I feel like that's less likely now. Mm. Uh, so it's not... Pet murder kid. It's just a process death kid. Yeah, we're okay here. Yeah, it's like, um, hey, t it turns out this was your like first pet or whatever, or you didn't realize that. It's like, oh, when we said that we send old Barney upstate to the farm so we could play and run around, like you didn't understand that that meant death. And this is the first time you're really experiencing it, kind of deal. 
It still feels like it's like um, something that's like a little harsh for the train to drag you onto it. It's the process. It's like <laughs> just give it time. Like kids understand that like things die eventually. <laughs> like that's just like <laughs> that's just kind of part of life. Unfortunately, you have to process that shit. You don't have to go out spend months on a weird bullshit train. <laughs> I mean, you could. Trains are cool. <laughs> yeah, but like. Uh, Normal conventional trains are cool. This train literally has things that I kind of actually do at times try to kill you. <laughs> I mean, it's a cool train though. Um, <laughs> but either way, this kid gets potted and sent away, and MT. I definitely heard you say potted like a plant, this. not potted. <laughs> <laughs> this kid is now being reverse Pikmin, going into the ground. <laughs> They need to grow their uh, plant head to be uh, a flower because the flower is the strongest Pikmin. Well, we don't know what uh, car they're going to land in. <laughs> um, There's, there is absolutely a Pikmin car in this train. Yep. Absolutely sure. Uh, they're kind of all the Pikmin car when you think about it. You're supposed to get a bunch of little guys to help you get to your goal. Well, sometimes you're the one the helping the little. Sometimes home. you're helping the little guys. To, to learn life lessons. That's not really the little guys helping you. That's you helping the little guys to be able to process stuff. Yeah, but the little guys are made to help you get home. Is the thing. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, MT basically has a panic attack. It's I don't know how to describe this really. It's it's not a classic panic attack. They're not just shutting down, but they're freaked out because the machines and the systems of the train don't even really seem to notice them, and now their hope of getting their own number has been dashed, and so they jump out of the pool and start yelling about robots about how unfair this is, and what do they gotta do to get a number around here? Do they need to kill somebody's pet? And the robots ignore them until they grab a robot's face and scream at it that they are a person and they deserve a chance and they shouldn't have to be trapped like this. But uh, they just grip the robot's head so tightly, they crush it dead. And uh, they start crying as their attack intensifies, and they just rip a pipe out of the wall, and they're swinging it wildly and crushing more robots. It's like, it's full-on rage and despair at the same time, and they're both cranked to maximum volume. It's, I, I don't have a word for this. Not to make light of it, but I want to see how Empty would treat the Koroks in Tears of the Kingdom now. <laughs> Just based on like the fact that they said that they would kill a person's pet, clearly also like had the intention on murdering children a few episodes ago. Well, murder the shit out of all these robots. Like, yeah, empty, empty would make the most fucked up torture device for Koroks. I will give them this much of a benefit. They did not literally say that they were going to kill someone's pet. They asked if they needed a sad pet backstory. Oh, okay, fair. And I interpreted that. But they as did. Them they did asking straight if they up to kill try to murder some children, though, in that in the mall car. Yes, they did do that. <laughs> Potentially, could have also just straight up killed some of them by punching them or whatever, or thrust, tossing them off yeah. and on Dracula. That could have still happened, and we just didn't see it. I'm pretty, like, we know it didn't in the first fight. It might have in the second, but I don't think it did. They would have said something about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so the uh, the laser tattoo gun drops again to the next person, and they're raising their pipe to swing out. They want to lash out and destroy this thing that's ignoring them, but the steward is here, just full of blue fire and wrath, and using its tentacles to force MT back and out of the pod, and then one one pops out and just politely asks them to stop breaking stuff. 
The end. <laughs> That's kind of underselling what one one does because he's like, please stop doing that, or I'll have to write your obituary. <laughs> like he acts polite, but then he's also like, yeah, but also if you continue, I'm gonna have to fucking take you out. <laughs> Well, sad one says that, but that's not. Yeah, but uh, I but don't know. It's just as, such a as mood we'll swing. As we'll see next episode, one one also kind of totally on board with just letting empty die anyway. <laughs> like as a whole, not just sad one. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, yes, but that's as a solution to a problem. This one would be a solution to a problem. <laughs> well, not necessarily is the thing, right? Because. As of right now, the problem is just that uh, MT might break a thing, and if they don't break a thing, there's no problem, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, to be... Well, MT has legitimately actually done murder, because somehow I forgot about Mace. <laughs> they have the capacity to do it, and they would. Listen, don't think about it. I mean, he's a cop, he didn't matter. <laughs> Yeah. He's a cop from a mirror world. He especially didn't matter. He was a reflection. Yeah. Like I mean, again, not not the sound disparaging towards the mirror people, but like he was less of a person than his original person, and he's just a special case. <laughs> okay. He was a cop who specifically chose to be a yep. cop. It wasn't like a job opportunity. No, he it he was, chose. I'm gonna he be. He chose a cop. to do terrible things because he lives in a shitty world. <laughs> And it's uh -huh. like, well, you don't see everybody in society doing that, my guy, when society as a whole sucks these days. In any case... Yeah, like, at some point, you have to stand up and say no, but he has, he made the choice not to do that. Yeah. He is literally trying to murder a teenager, and so he got got because out of self-defense. <laughs> in any case, we should probably continue, huh? Uh, yes, but not before we talk about our Patreon. Alright, and, of course, you can always join us at patreon.com slash usweirdoscast, where you can get our secondary podcast, The Axe Files. Uh, it's not exclusive anymore, because we just opened up our free feed last week. <laughs> now everybody gets to hear us talk about how they have a fucking scene of vor in the first, uh, fucking few chapters of that first book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. it's for kids <laughs> yeah the uh, patreon feed runs roughly 13 weeks ahead of the free feed so it's a pretty significant head start if you were interested in giving us the two dollars which we use for our hosting fees i want to be clear that's not just lining our pockets despite what we're going to talk about later in this episode <laughs> Just oh wait, that's not going to be for like four weeks. Never mind. Yeah, Ignore showing me. entirely that we record these not at the same time that we do the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Shh, don't tell anyone. It'll just be oh. our little secret, the two of us and the listeners listening to this, who might also subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Um. The the other really cool thing is that at our higher tiers, we just have all sorts of other stuff. Um. Mostly what I do is the queer book recommendations every week. I pick a book and write out a full review about why you should read it, or shouldn't. Which is very rare, but sometimes it happens. <laughs> and I continue to kind of just play whatever interests me on my PC. Like, as I promised a lot of times, I am back on playing the Nuzlocke, and, uh... You know, uh, you kind of get a little bit spoiled there if you look at the thumbnails, but I can't choose how YouTube changes the thumbnail, and also I want to always have the level cap and total of deaths on the screen, so people know. 
But at least I got better with the overlay. It looks way less shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, we'd love to have you. And, you know, if you've got a couple bucks, that would be much appreciated. And if not, uh, well, the stuff will get free anyway eventually. <laughs> we are so glad for you. But we do have a couple of shoutouts to do because we need to give a huge thank you to Trigger Harpy, Bookcase Queen, and of course... Aurora Borealis, who's been with us from the very beginning. Yay. We appreciate all of you. <sighs> it literally, this would just be a nightmare without all of y'all. Editing two podcasts a week is a lot. Yeah, I, 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 you know, at some point I should actually maybe learn how to do that too, so I can help. <laughs> well, give us money so I can teach Vivian how to edit podcasts. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, uh, thanks y'all, and uh, enjoy the show. And yeah, and that just leads us into the finale, episode 10, The Number Car. It's an actual finale with the word car in it, which apparently I found out as trivia because it's the only one in the entirety of the show that is. All the other ones don't well, have yeah, car. We already got our episode this season that has, because we had The Wasteland already. So True, yeah. You can't do that twice in one season. Yeah, because like, we had the engine last time. But yeah, no, apparently this is the only finale in all four books that has the word car in it. <laughs> <laughs> None of the ones do, so I get spoilers for seasons uh, three and four. But this begins with Empty just trying to fully smash one one, but he holds him back with the steward's tentacle arms and recognizes them as what he calls the rare foil version of Tulip. So I guess one one collects Pokemon cards because he knows what rare foils are. One one did somehow just like stealing people's uh, really rare Pokemon cards that they had on them when they get on the train, I guess. <laughs> He needs he needs that yeah. VMAX Charizard. He he needs it. It's worth a lot. <laughs> uh yeah. The they stress that they are not Tulip, a reflection of Sliver, a Null, or any of the other derogatory terms people have called them in the past. Calls themselves their own person and that they're getting off the train. One one is just confused since he thinks they're exactly where they belong on the train, but M2 refuses to accept that logic and demands an exit and then a number, but both are rejected because exits are only for those with numbers, and you can only get a number if you're a passenger, because one one is just strict in staying by the rules that either he created or somebody else created or the train created and is enforcing on him. Who the fuck knows? It's the train that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't like it doesn't matter who made the rules. They're the rules, and you have to follow them. One one is the worst kind of centrist. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> one one's just being like, but we have to hear from both sides. <laughs> and it's like one 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 side <laughs> has little guns and wants to do genocide. The other side says that's fucked up. <laughs> um, I don't think one one would care about hearing from both sides. He would just care about what the law was. <laughs> well, the law usually says you shouldn't walk around with guns threatening to shoot people just because they don't agree with you, so I feel like that's taking a side. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. But yeah. In any case, he thinks that you need some nice math in order to grow emotionally, because he just thinks that the number is math, I guess. <laughs> so, Empty begs for trials and offers their memories and even themselves in exchange just because they just want something to be able to get off the train. But he just thinks that they can still help many others just like Jesse, but before one one can show what I presume to be like a PowerPoint of all the times they helped Jesse, uh, because he goes over to his computer terminal, he notices that Jesse's being reprocessed onto the train, because his number is zero, but it says in processing as well. Which just causes <laughs> as much of a logic loop that one one could possibly ever get stuck in throughout the rest of this episode, basically. 
Hey, yeah. They all head back to the tape room where NT is reunited with Alan Dracula, who has found where Jesse is just because he's a smart deer. He knows immediately where Jesse is, I guess. And they pull him out <laughs> and then immediately just return to the number room to extract his tape and view what happened to make him return. Which actually cuts back to when Jesse first arrived on the train and viewed a message from one one saying that you need companionship to escape the train because you need to actually like be able to connect with people and learn from them, I guess. But he also thinks that it really didn't explain anything because it's one one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, fair. Yeah. It's weird. The video we saw that MT oversaw or watched from the the, the other person, the lunch lady, that made a lot more sense than yeah. this one. So, do you think they got <laughs> customized videos or? Uh, that might have been like one one's like first take of the video, and then he got like some like Google reviews being like, <laughs> uh, people aren't really getting it. So, I guess I need to do another version. Yeah. It's like when uh, Joe Cat had to redo his uh, crap guide to D and D on Barbarians again because the old one didn't really hold up that well, so he made a new version. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I don't want to skip over it too much. Like we've moved past <laughs> it, but that moment there with MT just demanding an identity—it's very trans. I feel like that is the crux of their trans journey in this story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they they they're so desperate for personhood and to be recognized by whatever the fuck system the train has but it's just yeah, being exactly. stumbled at every uh turn basically. Like I feel like half their issue isn't even that they want to get off the train, it's that the train doesn't even see them. They're so insignificant to it and they they feel this need to be someone so desperately that yeah, it's it's very affecting. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty heavy stuff in this episode. <laughs> but yeah, but continuing on, Empty notes that Jesse was so scared back then when he first got on the train. But they cut to a flashback of the two of them arguing on the in the family tree car, as one one just jokes about Empty getting co-star billing now in the memories. But that will definitely make them less in Hollywood because of their shitty gender inequality rules. <laughs> Very scathing commentary from one one there, but also true. Yeah, I wonder why Hollywood got rid of this series. <laughs> yeah, like one one, how, how do you actually? I, I guess one one has enough knowledge about the outside world to know Hollywood's fucked. <laughs> really, like every job is fucked because a lot of jobs have gender inequality in terms of pay and just hiring. <laughs> Uh, but they then cut over to the tow car scene of Jesse admitting his friends are probably bad, and Empty notes that not only did Jesse change, but they also changed as well over the course of their time together. Before the memory cuts to them fleeing from the flex in the mall car, when Jesse got separated because of his door. But basically, like Empty even asks, like one one, please don't show me this, and actually like turns away and doesn't actually try to pay attention yeah. to it because it's it's bad memory. <laughs> Yeah, kind of the worst one, actually. Yeah, it's the worst one for them personally, because they got separated from their friend. But this continues afterwards, like immediately there, where Jesse is reunited with his brother Nate, whose arm is in a cast, so he did fully break it, because I guess it's only like a couple... This is like, maybe like... Well, we actually don't know how long Jesse's been on the train for. It doesn't feel like this as yeah, long as no Tulip, necessarily. Because it doesn't... Well, I don't know. This number was lower, wasn't it? It doesn't feel like as much time has passed, especially because Nate's arm is still in a cast. Because, like, actually, now I'm curious. How long do bones take to heal when they're in the cast? Uh, six to eight weeks, usually. Okay, yeah. So, like, yeah, at the least, like, a month and a half or two, basically. Because, like, but even then, like, it's... It, maybe it's only been, like, a month or so since Jesse disappeared onto the train. Because, like, his, his arm obviously is still in the cast, so it's not healed all the way. 
Yeah, his number was a lot lower than Tulip's was, so it makes sense that he'd get out faster, because by episode two, he was already down to 32. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look ahead to see if the wiki article of him says what his number was back in the first one. Uh, it doesn't look like it, no. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, no, I, I, I see this bit saying on the train, soon after the incident with Nate and his shitty friends, he boarded the Infinity Train where he was given the number 31. Ah. That's and right. apparently this, the car he was in was called the Hill Car. <laughs> so yeah, huh. his his number was like a fraction of what Tulips was because he just he had to just like learn to be like more assertive and choose for himself rather than just going with what people said, even if it was bad and to his detriment compared to all the baggage right, Tulips yeah. had with his, her parents being divorced. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any case, yeah. Uh, you know, they reconcile. Well, they meet each other again, and Jesse says that he was wrong to let both his so-called friends and himself hurt his brother, and he apologizes. And but before the scene can continue, one of them basically just fast forwards the tape a little bit, and let me hear like some like sped up audio between the two. And he presses play after Jesse has finished explaining the situation with MT, the flex, and the train. And his brother basically just offers to bring in some food while he sits there to think about things for a bit, just because he got a lot to process. But he pretty much just quickly, immediately decides that he cannot leave MT behind on the train. <laughs> Which, again, <laughs> considering that it's been, like, maybe a few hours since the mall car, it's really, like, this is just kind of the same day, basically, I guess. <laughs> it's really, like, no time has passed, really, between the scene and now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you get back into the train, but uh, he figured it out I real mean, quick. It's, it's probably just, like, the same desire, because it's, like, again, like, as we'll establish, like, one one says that his problem is that he wants to get his friend off the train, and, like, people generally have some major problem that causes the train to appear before them anyway. So I think it's more just, like, you know, in those cases, people are usually not dwelling on it as much, because it's, like... I mean, Tulip probably had her parents' situation in the back of her mind, but she really wasn't thinking about it as hard when the train emerged before her, compared to this being him being like, yeah, train, come but... back, I got a fucking beef with you, <laughs> or well, whatever. <laughs> that, that makes sense, but like the, the train specifically appears to people in their lowest moments, and I don't think that's what Jesse is here. He's upset and has a mission. He's not like, he isn't depressed and freaking out, you know? This isn't his worst moment he just wants to get back on the train yeah uh, yeah i guess we'll just never know because <laughs> it's like maybe it's just a case of like if you know the train exists you can like unknowingly call it back if you're like i want to go back on there for some reason i don't know maybe i mean I we, we kind of do one get one the implication from one one that this is like the first time somebody's come back onto the train uh-huh so yep. who knows <laughs> And yet, in season one, when we saw Amelia's memories, it kind of seemed like she knew the train was going to be there. Yeah, she was kind of just standing there. Hmm. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Again, maybe we're just closely examining things that are not meant to be closely examined. <laughs> maybe That's there's, us. like, an internet rumor going around, like, the elevator game or whatever, where they tell you... <laughs> <laughs> It, it, you know, it's, it's like the fucking thing, Midnight Channel. And then a magic train will if you turn show on up. The, if you turn on the TV, or rather leave the TV off at midnight, you'll see your uh, your so-called like uh, fucking soulmate or whatever, and then it turns out now you're actually seeing glimpses of the people that are being dragged into the TV and killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at least people who will be because of society thinking about them, because TV is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, in that case, also that rumor was spread by a literal shitty god who was fucking around with humanity. So she got what she deserved. Yeah, I mean, when do they do anything else? Hmm? I mean, when do they do anything else? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like in every person in the game, you kill a god. <laughs> Or steal it away if you can't kill it because it's literally the god of death. <laughs> yep. Alright, in any case, uh, we continue on with MT asking for 1-1 to wake Jesse up, but he thinks he cannot do that just immediately since it apparently is a long process. But MT's just like, fuck this, and just flicked him on the head to circumvent all that, and that apparently is enough to just wake Jesse up. <laughs> just immediately. Well, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I, I, I guess it was just like more like it, we kind of got the implication that these people were in like something of a trance or whatever, or something akin to a coma because they are clearly asleep during this. But yeah, it's uh, it's. I don't think that's necessarily true because uh, I mean, MT woke that other guy up earlier by pounding through the the, the the pod with their bare fists so. i guess maybe maybe you can brute maybe you can brute force it but there's like a chance of actually like hurting the person in terms of like not just physically or something and one one's just trying to be safe about that <laughs> whereas i don't think that's true i think it's just the rules that you have to wake someone up with robots and processes yeah it could just be that yeah <laughs> in any case they hug and jesse is happy to be reunited with alan dracula as well <laughs> Uh, one one interrupts them, saying that the train is for fixing problems and not for hanging out with your buds, so Jesse just retorts that his problem is that his friend is stuck here, but one one basically just tries to drag him over to the numbering machine, and his number just fully freaks out. It goes from the square root of 2 to pi to the periodic symbol for Mercury. Yes, I looked it up. Don't judge me for forgetting high school chem. I did not know what that <laughs> was just on the, looking at it. Uh, to the fraction 49 over 13 to a smiley face with like the little semicolon and a P to make it. <laughs> and he just asks if this is normal, while one one's conundrum is that while the train fixes problem, Jesse's problem is that he needs to rescue his friend, who is a denizen, but because denizens cannot get numbers, the train doesn't know how to address any of this shit. <laughs> because train is just so narrow-minded, I guess, that it doesn't consider having to potentially bend its own rules. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, while one one has discussed things between each other, MT frees Jesse from his little, like, robot grip. But the two don't notice that, uh, god, I always forget how to pronounce his fucking name. Sieve? Siv? <laughs> he won't matter in a few sentences, but, uh, I think it's Siv, right? <laughs> yeah, Siv. Siv, yeah. I, again, because it's that, because of that E, I always think Sieve. <laughs> but yeah, Siv starts to emerge from the reflective wall behind them, and they don't notice. One one basically just stuck in a logic loop, and the train cannot process things. As Siv, fuck, I already almost forgot, calls out to them. Empty <laughs> just basically tells them to fuck off and leave them alone. But he's just fully lost it since without Mace, apparently there's no more protocols for him to follow, which is super not how policing would work in an actual just society. Because you don't just have everything go out the window the minute that you don't have a commander of some sort <laughs> or a leader. Well, now to be clear, the issue is not that. The commander isn't here. The issue is that MT killed my partner, and so I don't care. I'm not a cop anymore. I'm just gonna kill them. Yeah, but they also defend themselves, saying that they only did so because Mace tried to kill them. It was self-defense. It was not, like, premedicated or anything. Yeah, but see, that goes out the window when you're a person who has power and a license to kill. Yeah. Like, especially in a moment like this when it's just rage the only thing he cares about is killing the person who killed his friend yeah 
In any case, uh, again, he won't matter in a few minutes. Uh, he tells one one that he's the solution to his logic problem and asks him for his help, and one one actually does consider this a bit, since if MTs does that would solve things in his sense. But Jesse just fully distracts him again by asking what the train exists for, <laughs> so he just gets stuck in his little logic loop again. So, Sieve at the- uh, fucking Sieve. Siv, at this point, decides to just kick the conductor away, even though you would think that that would be a violation and just immediately get him toasted because he is a denizen of the train and kicking the conductor would be a big no-no. <laughs> but, yeah, and, uh, one still just too distracted, so I guess he doesn't notice even being kicked away. And he just starts attacking the kids. And, uh, he <laughs> fully just tosses Jesse into the monitor wall that he emerged from, which is somehow even more brutal than Mates getting ground in the dust in the wheel well, at least to me, because, like, Jesse is just a kid. He is, like, 16, and he gets thrown face first in this thing. That's yeah, really fucking rude. I don't, like, it, it's weird to me that Siv holds back like this. Mm -hmm. And I know you're talking about how brutal it is to throw Jesse, but at the same time, he's got a deadly weapon on his arm, and Jesse has protected this person that yeah, he's trying to like, kill like multiple he, times. He, he could easily just also just hit Jesse in the face with this and suck him up even more. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's deadly to humans since it's a sander. It's, it's, it's gonna it's, mess yeah, him still, up if you hit him in the face with a sander. It's still a rough friction surface that is being like moved around at a high speed enough to like yeah. sand down even metals. So it's like it would do a lot of damage to flesh and presumably bone yeah. if it got that far. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know exactly how they work because they are kind of that's not how sanders work, you know? These things are basically lightsabers. Mm -hmm. So I guess it could be argued that maybe they just don't work on people. But yeah, it, it's just a weird and interesting moment to me that he holds back from killing Jesse, even though he is specifically trying to kill yeah, uh, MT. Yeah, I, I, I guess even like he's able to hold himself back, because like, Jesse, even though he's like protected MT, is not the one who killed Mace, whereas MT is the one who did. So he's like, I I only have like minor beef with this kid compared to MT. But yeah. In any case, yeah. it's like MT defends themselves from Civ while saying again that they only killed Mace out of self-defense. And while like they're trying to just like uh ward him off and eventually he gets like his sander stuck in like some bit of circuitry on the wall, MT sees Jesse stand up and hold his hand against the reflective glass he cracked when Civ tossed him in there. And they realize that his number is reflected off of it, so then they just decide to rush over and hold up Jesse's hand near their own to ha to pretend to have a number, <laughs> and therefore be like, hey, one one, you can give me an exit now, right, because I have a number? Even though it's, like, clearly just <laughs> the number reflected, it's not an actual number, but one one is one one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he basically just figures things out and just shrugs, being like, "Yeah, that tracks. That that that, that makes sense. Sure." And here's your exit, and just makes an exit for both of them, because <laughs> yeah, one one is easily fooled because he's one one still. <laughs> and they both go and rush out through the door, but Siv starts dragging them back in. And at this, MT notices that they're laying on some grass in the real world, so they grab some and throw some through the door to Alan Dracula, basically to like get his attention. And then Alan Dracula, for the first time and the last time in the show, actually actively helps them by just shooting Siv with his laser eyes to blow that man up so that he can eat the grass that it's, fell near him. <laughs> it is so messed up. It's like, 
not even six seconds of animation, and it is the cleanest, smoothest animation this show has ever done of Alan Dracula just absolutely murdering this yeah, guy. Yeah, like, he, he just fully popped like a balloon <laughs> full of goo. <laughs> yep. It full on, it does the thing where in Owl House you can tell a fight's about to come up. Yeah, like, it's as soon as this smooth animation happens, and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but at least in this case, it's just, oh, okay, the beer just shoots him in the laser eyes, and he just blows up immediately. <laughs> It's yep. so gnarly. Yep. <laughs> uh, at least we didn't see Mace die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we got at least enough of a glimpse of Mace dying, though. We definitely saw that man starting to get ground into goop. <laughs> like, even though we didn't see him fully turn into goop and die immediately, like, full on, like, we still got enough of a sense of what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. At this, uh, one one then has Alan Dracula fly via his rocket boot legs that he apparently always had to return to presumably his car, which apparently one one himself has actually like specifically made Alan Dracula special compared to most of the deer on the train because he does straight up say he broke the mold with Alan Dracula. Yeah, also, this is how I'm undertaking to understand that he does a little bit of observation because while it is true that Jesse referred to him as Alan Dracula in the presence of one 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 was too busy figuring out yeah, the thing. Like, he didn't like even though they both used Alan Dracula's name, it's like, yeah, there had to have been like some monitoring on one one's part because he does also know Alan Dracula's name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just it's just pretty funny that it's like, yeah, again, like similar to like the frog or the toad like just jumping over the train, it's just Alan Dracula just taking off <laughs> into the sky, yep. T Rocket style. <laughs> and it's like I truly broke the mold with you, Alan Dracula. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but in any case, uh, MT looks around the rural world for the first time and cries a bit at being off the train finally, only for Nate to rush over to them and be surprised that MT is real, that apparently Jesse's story about a chrome person was true. Before he, but he just, he, to his credit, he immediately catches himself and, like, tries to be polite about things and introduces himself <laughs> to MT. Uh, MT hesitates on a name for a bit before deciding to call themselves Lake after the valley water that's standing nearby. And then, like, Jesse just tries to, like, act all cool by flicking MT on the forehead for a change, only to hurt his hand, as expected, because he's still trying to flick a chrome person on the face. <laughs> so, yep. even when he tries to be cool, he still fails. <laughs> <sighs> yep. And that's that entire book. Uh, kind of, honestly, think, speaking, I was expecting a little bit more from when I got into the, the real world, but I wasn't expecting it to just be, like, a brief scene for some reason. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand that impulse, and I would definitely like more, but I, I understand why they left this story where they did. And may I just say, this season was incredibly frustrating for me to cover, because... Yeah, I, I did... I did. Link chooses their name as, like, the second-to-last line that they have in the entire series, and I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, that. I was listening a little bit back to the episode we put out today, which is actually the very first one we have on book two, and it's like... Even up front, when you were starting to describe the first episode, you're like, feels bad because I know what name they choose later on, but at this point in the time, yeah. they go by MT. And I was like, yeah, I also had heard the name Lake beforehand as well, but it's like, again, we could only basically go based on what the show itself was using. And it's a weird middle ground between, like, is this dead naming? Is this not? It's like, well, MT is at least still a name that, or at least a thing to refer to them as that they were going by at the time, so. Yeah. It's like a little bit of a toss-up, I guess, but yeah. 
<laughs> that's why when i have to make the tweets about the episodes covering this uh, book entirely i'm gonna be like shit do i need to i guess i should use and like refer to mt as mt or like as mt if i need to in the sake of the tweets because we're not there yet <laughs> maybe yeah but you know lake is absolutely that non-binary person who just named themselves after the first inanimate object they saw yeah <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I get it, but come on. <laughs> it's a good name. Uh, it is just a, it is a, a little bit goofy that it's like just immediate of like, oh, I look at the water. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is like there is some symbolism there, right? Because this is the first time that they've been able to look at water and not have to worry about the cops coming out of it. So mm, yeah. So I guess there is that of like, yeah, I don't have to worry about shit ass goop cops trying to murder me by looking at a reflected surface for once. Yeah. It's like a, a rebirth kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, it's I I don't know. There's so much here. <sighs> Do you think Lake eventually calls Tulip up and has lunch sometime? <laughs> Well, that would. I, like I mean, I stuff. guess, I guess there's a possibility that like does know what Tulip's cell phone number is because they were her reflection for mm-hmm. thirteen ish years. A while, yeah. yeah, but uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like that would be like potentially like a source of some trauma that it's like, oh right, this is the person that I was based on and had to stick with arbitrarily for all my life till now. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just feel like a couple years down the line, once they've had some time to acclimate and deal with stuff, it would be nice to, if nothing else, say hi, thanks for getting me out of that car. Yeah, like, hey, this is your old friend here. Uh, bit of a complicated relationship with you still, but thanks for helping me get out and making this possible, I guess. Hi, we went literally everywhere together for 12 years. I know this is weird, but... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. There's this season is just so much, and as much as we've derailed these two episodes coming together like this, this is what makes it for me. It's so much. Yeah, like I'm, I'm glad I, that I, I lost my words. Yeah, I, I'm glad that I decided to choose Infinity Train because again, I'd never seen anything past book one for covering it in the show. So it's like, yep, yeah, I, I definitely heard things about this season. I knew that it was all about, like, yes, like, Lake is a trans or a non-binary allegory. It's like, they unfortunately couldn't say as much because Cartoon Network fucking sucks. Yep. Yeah. And Alan Dracula is fun, and to my knowledge, I don't think Alan Dracula comes back at all again, which is probably for the best because it would be a little bit too easy to just have Alan Dracula show up again for a goof. Honestly, yeah. Like, yeah. it, he he could be anyone or anything at any <laughs> given time. So it's arguable that he's in every frame of the rest of the series from now on. I, d- I did but... see that apparently there was a plan to have him come back as, like, a table that a character from book four hides under. But then he just, like, poops back <laughs> and be, and it's just, oh, hey, it's Alan Jack, and then he just walks off. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently they did not do that because it's like, they were like, yeah, we got enough jokes about Alan Jack, and I feel like that's enough. <laughs> Yeah, I would like to see him again, but I understand the impulse of not wanting to go back to that well. If you were to see him again, I think it makes most sense for him to just be a deer and not, like, a thing. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's 
That is book two of Infinity Train, and I like it a lot, and I'm very grateful to you for picking this series so I could relive this, but... Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> I-, I wish I was better at having words, which is a weird thing to say, because I have a degree in writing and am a podcaster, and yet I cannot express my emotions today. <laughs> I mean, it it is a lot. It, it is the trans season of a show, and it's like, you know, we 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 like partially goofed at times about like the hunter is trans and loose is trans, like allegories in the season three specials of Owl House. But it's like, no, I don't think that's an allegory. Loose is just trans. <laughs> loose is definitely some flavor of queer besides bi. I mean, we can basically agree upon that. <laughs> But it, yeah, to, to the extent we don't know, definitely some sort of uh, gender nonconforming in some regard, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, but uh, I mean, again, we we joked about that with Hunter, but it's like, yeah, trans Hunter was headcanon for a long time, even amongst people in the fandom, but it was never like as explicit as this. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was <clears throat> that was literally just Hunter having a line of liking who he is now, even though he's not the person he thought he would become earlier in his life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a super trans line, but you're right, it's not a lot to go off of. It's not his entire story. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I have much else to say about Book 2 of Infinity Train, which is disappointing because I don't want to let it go yet, but it's time, I think, unless you've got anything to bring up. No, I think I think we can move on to the one question I know we have, and also the various trivia, because I have a lot of shit. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so, for the sake of questions today, since we only have one question, I'm going to do one question and one of our freaks takes. Oh boy, I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So the idea is that we'll do three of them if we don't have any questions at all. If we have one question, I'll do one, and that should help keep the stable from running out too fast while still giving us a bunch to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, our one question for this week from M. Healy, at M. Healy on Twitter. Uh, better Dracula, Alan Dracula or President Henry Dracula? It, and This is the point where I admit I did not listen to that much Adelon to get to President Henry Dracula. <laughs> That's disappointing, but fair. Uh, I feel like this is a pretty cut-and-dry decision, though, because presidents are inherently bad. So. Yeah, th- there is that. Alan Dracula is just a regular normal deer compared to President Henry Dracula still being a president and therefore some level of war crime or war criminal. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not only that, but a president and a vampire, so it's like, come on. <laughs> well, you don't have to necessarily be a terrible person for being a vampire, but, you know, all presidents are bad. <laughs> I mean, you do kind of have to eat people. It goes with the territory. Like, uh, you could just you could drink, drink from blood bags, maybe you know, or you can like drink from animals, like uh, you know, like you have options in like Vampire Masquerade for not actually for having like, you know, like a flaw where it's like you actually actively choose not to drink from people. Well, you know, that kind of depends on the vampire setting. Yeah, but... true. That's fair. It's kind of weird, honestly, that Masquerade allowed for blood bags, because it's such... Well, I mean, they intentionally don't give you as much hunger resolve just because it is, like, kind of... It's not, like, coagulated, but it's not fresh, like, from the person. Well, right, but so much of Vampire's 
the masquerade's appeal is i am a monster i am goth i am emo i can never be loved i have been turned into this thing against my will it's it's such a, a, a pick me goth kind of game mm -hmm. the fact that they give you the option to not be the monster is fascinating to me yeah i i think that's really just more if it like if you're trying to play a little bit more of a casual one that doesn't like is it like oh this would actually like make me as a person a little uncomfortable if i turned into a vampire so i would do this myself kind of option that's the whole point of the game yeah, yeah i know i mean hey to be fair in the vtm game that me and my friends played one of our party members actively found out about vampires and chose to become one like they actually said like fucking bite me do it you coward kind of deal and another one chose to just also only drink from animals and just ha use their animalism powers to just summon up a six pack of rats like, on occasion to just have a snack <laughs> Like we 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 made so many reference uh, jokes about uh, that character cracking open a, a cold one with the boys. The boys being his entire rat court because he also like he was also the rat king of the Rodentia court of the Twin Cities, <laughs> represented by his uh, famulus uh, Lord Fryhai, the little rat that hung out hung out with him. It's very amusing when uh, one of our party members actually like saw this for themselves and was like so what determines who's the lord fryhag it's like yeah whichever one's still alive <laughs> whichever one i whichever one like uh survives me like uh putting some vampire blood into and doesn't die immediately that's lord fryhag <laughs> like okay my, my character was in torpor at the time so i didn't see this shit and they never told me about it because they're like it's too weird <laughs> uh fun yeah, time um... our characters are fucking monsters in that game <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of the issue I've had with World of Darkness games, is so much of it is, and I don't know how to put this exactly, I appreciate the idea of a game that wants to evoke a specific emotion in the players. That makes sense. The thematic system is great. But with the World of Darkness games, it's so universally just like, no one understands me and everything is terrible forever. It's just not interesting. So I appreciate hearing that my par my playgroup is not the only one that immediately turns it as goofy as possible. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we made it goofy at times because it's like, again, it was like, it gets too fucking real at times. That's the campaign where we both predicted rampant police brutality in the Twin Cities. I mean, to be fair, as a whole, really. And also a pandemic in the modern times. A way less severe pandemic than the one we'd have to deal with in real life, but still, a, we were like, how the fuck did we predict these two 2020 things? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, I mean, is it really a prediction if it's been happening literally since the inception of the police? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's, it was just the timing of everything. And again, because it's like our campaign was set in the Twin Cities, and it's like a few months later after the campaign begins, George Floyd's murder happened, and we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. That's why we played 5e right afterwards, because we were like, we need a game that we can just fucking goof around with, and isn't that as fucking serious and dark? <laughs> <laughs> yep, fun times. But yeah, to the uh, point of um, goofiness, the last time I played Vampire, my character was a Milhavian whose primary derangement was that he believed he was LARPing, so... <laughs> A little bit more uh, silly than my Malkavian from that campaign, whose entire thing was that she occasionally got uh, 
visions of her dad who'd passed away when they were like 13 or whatever because a shitty cop shot them because he's black or was black (laughs) yay Uh, i'm gonna go with my version because it means that i got to read the uh, dream theater rule book and just do all that in the game (laughs) (laughs) um yes so that is that which means we will move to our freaks takes I hope you're ready for this, because I have no idea what I'm going to answer this with. (laughs) The question this week, from the inimitable Jonathan Frakes, what's the right tip? Like, percentage? (laughs) Uh, That's not part of the question, just what's the right tip? Well, I'm going to choose to interpret that as percentage, and I'd say at minimum 15%, and probably closer to 20%. (laughs) <laughs> uh, these are so much more interesting if you don't have the video because you just don't have any of the context clues <laughs> well, like i was thinking that too when you were like oh i have no idea how to answer this so i hope you're ready by and it's like i have no fucking idea what you're gonna say to me <laughs> so I, I i'm less prepared than you because you at least know the question <laughs> uh, yeah no that sounds solid uh, it depends on the situation, though, because, like, if it's, uh, I don't know, say, a self-checkout lane at a grocery store, uh, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, every time- They're asking for tips lately, don't give it to them. Yeah, like, all the, all the times that they keep asking, like, would you like to round up to a dollar for this donation thing? I'm like, I, I just can't help but feel like that's just going right into the grocery store and not actually where you say. <laughs> Oh no, that's a completely different scam. No, I'm talking about within the last month, a bunch of different grocery machines have started asking you to tip on your bill in addition to whatever other charity donation oh, thing. I, I haven't seen that at all in the grocery store I uh-huh, go to. Yeah, it's not good. No, I imagine not. Of course, the uh-huh, like the the, the quote unquote theory is that you're tipping the employees who worked at the store, but no, yeah. That's, you going, just did your own... that's going right to corporate yeah. is the thing, too. And also, yeah, you, uh-huh. you just did all your shopping and you went to the self-checkout line. <laughs> like, just because, like, one, uh. one of them stocked the shelves, yes, undeniable. But it's like, that's where <laughs> their influence on your shopping visit began and ended. <laughs> yes. And that tip is not going to them. No. Um, no, the thing with the rounding up for charity, uh, the way that scam works is they definitely donate that to charity. But because they donate it to charity, it's then a tax write-off, so then the company doesn't have to pay taxes. I swear, you saying the, name, the word charity so often just makes you think you're addressing my character in our Adelon game. <laughs> I will. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, no, yeah, that sounds like a fucking nightmare, but also it's 2023, and our society just gets even more nightmarish by the day. <laughs> That's how that grift has been working from the very beginning. <laughs> Yeah, but but having like a whole like, would you like to give a tip to the store as a question on the self checkout line is a is yeah. a new level of fucked. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, anyway, since you mentioned the Eidolon game, I have to share something cursed with you that has been plaguing me for a while now. Um, so those of you in the audience will probably not know, but I used Morbius as a character in our uh, home game of Eidolon just because uh, I needed something goofy to do. And a while later, Morbius showed up in Midnight Suns in a DLC complaining about how ugly he was, even though he's an objectively beautiful man, and someone said he was trans. <laughs> and so now I've just been stuck with the name Morbius in my oh, head for, oh, like, oh, boy. 
Uh-huh. It's it's a curse, and I finally released it. You have all been infected. Congratulations. <laughs> like when people kept trying to uh, say that Shulk from Xenoblade was just uh, She-Hulk. <laughs> well, I mean, that's because that's a thing that She-Hulk has been called since the 80s. What, Shulk? So, yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's why, I guess. <laughs> Again, not a comics person. It's not her fault Nintendo stole her name. <laughs> But they really didn't. He's just they just decided to call him Shulk. <laughs> Which is still interesting because it's like Shulk's to this day still has the most weird name of the entirety of all Xenoblade characters. <laughs> yeah, and he stole it from She-Hulk. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> In any case, uh, we have a lot of trivia to cover. We should probably get into that. <laughs> That's fair. Alright. Uh, I don't know why it was brought up in this, or these two episodes, but the trivia mentions that the tapes are modeled after the old Cartvision tapes that were introduced back in 1972, which Dennis, the, oh, uh, Owen Dennis, the show creator, knew about these tapes because his dad worked at a job where they were dealing with those tapes a lot, so we decided to basically just use huh. their design for this. Again, I'm not sure why this got brought up now and not, like, way back in the cat car when we were first introduced yeah. to these tapes, or in the past car when we saw another tape. But I guess it's because the tapes are seen way more often as like the actual physical tape in these, <laughs> which is why I guess they're show up a lot more and they brought it up here. But weird. Uh, I mean, I definitely remember commenting when they were first introduced that they reminded me of eight tracks. But I guess it makes sense because Cartrovision was like early seventies, so that is roughly contemporaneous. Yeah, and like the train kind of had like some instances of like weirder, older tech designs at times too. And yeah. like even like all the robots on the train kind of at times look like they're like older sci-fi designs rather than more modern stuff. But uh, the theme song cue and title card for the train documentaries is seen and heard when one one mentions the tape car in his little pod video. <laughs> like when uh, That's when, true. yeah, when the old man is in his pod before he assuredly dies. <laughs> Yeah, but we didn't do the train documentaries, so no one knows what those sound like. True, but if you watched them, you would know what it is. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I'm, I'm just regurgitating the trivia that's listed in the episodes. Uh, another thing is that one one casually threatening to write Lake's obituary was a callback to the Corgi car and by extension the pilot when he said the same thing, but in relation to a male character, I guess probably Atticus, when Atticus is thrown into like a wall a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, super forgot that happens. Uh, we already covered, uh, like saying the little phrase Ufta from Minnesota's line, so we'll skip that. Uh, the opening of the tape car is meant to be the official, like, the unofficial official goodbye to Alan Dracula, as the rest of episode 9 and the entirety of 10 would run too fast for Lake to basically get another chance to do so. So that little scene between the two of them is more or less just being like, yep, we're saying goodbye to this character, except for when he lasers uh see Siv to death. <laughs> yeah. Uh Lake pulling a passenger out of his pod. Yeah, we already covered that. It was originally oh wait, well there was another thing. It was originally a concept for book two where uh a two of reflection was intended to be the villain of season two. Uh, this premise was scrapped because the crew liked the concept of Tulo's reflection both as a character and wanted to see them succeed and basically was rewritten to become the lake that we know now. Huh. Yep. 
uh, we already mentioned that that old man is just really dead, or maybe got put in another <laughs> pod or got eaten by a gome, but yeah, most likely dead. <laughs> that was, that was yeah, a crude joke. Definitely. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of crude jokes, the Atticus is dead joke is apparently a repeat joke amongst the crew when people ask them why they never brought him back after book one. They'll occasionally just tweet out on Twitter like, yeah, because Atticus is dead. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that was that was not just one one goofing. That's apparently the entire crew just goofing repeatedly about it. <laughs> uh, obvious inspirations for the passenger prep car were the Matrix and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which yeah, we see a lot of that, especially with like the pods of people in them. Very reminds me of the Matrix. Uh, similarly, the DVD commentary mentions that the passenger prep process was meant to demonstrate that there is a non-consensual aspect to the train, which would have been explored in the future if Book Five had been made. Which, it's a pity that Book 5 didn't get made, because not only would that have been an aspect, but I also read that it, like, tells the story of how Amelia took over the train, and apparently had split... That was the plan. Yeah, and, like, apparently in some scene in that, they would have, or she would have uh, split one into one one, into two halves. So I guess at one point, one one was not two little robot guys, but just one. <laughs> Uh, other things <laughs> I have here, uh, just briefly mentioned here, one of the passengers on one one screen has the Triforce hat on him as another Nintendo reference, which there's been a few in the season so far, or the series. Uh, the sped up audio between, uh, Jesse and Nate is actually just Nate speaking, and if you slow it down, he just says, is she okay? That sounds terrible. Wow, that's crazy. That sounds so cool. Wait, what? Wait, who are those guys? Wait, what? Whoa, is she okay? That sounds wow. <laughs> That's basically, that's entirely what the audio is. It's, there's no actual Not audio from Jesse. the most eloquent kid. No, but like, to be fair, he's also hearing from his brother who's been missing for like at least a month about there being some weird interdimensional moral lesson train when there were shitty mirror cops on it. And also there, he hung out <laughs> with a chrome person and a laser deer for a month. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of just funny that there's actually no Jesse dialogue in there. It's just all Nate. <laughs> Uh, the number on Jesse's hand when Lake realizes that they can reflect his number is the square root of 2, so I guess at one point it moves back to that, which, when you multiply it by 2, as in 2 people, it equals a real number, which in a sense gives Lake a real number, if you interpret things like that. <laughs> so, kind of clever, a little bit of like, okay, yeah, makes sense, they, have, they both had the same number, when you multiply it by the 2 number people, that's a real number. Uh, Jesse is a, yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah, we already covered that. Jesse is apparently the only passenger, the first passenger willing to return to the train, and it's heavily implied to be the only to ever actually try returning to the train. <laughs> so, <laughs> interesting there. I can't imagine why. And, yeah, again, you would think most people would be like, fuck that experience. Like, yeah, it taught me good moral lessons, but God, I don't have a job or an apartment anymore, because I'm so far, uh, with not having no, a big track record of no-shows at work and not paying my rent, so fuck. <laughs> Well, that's true, but also, like, the Apex's whole deal is that we own this train. You would think if one of them accidentally got kicked off, they would try to come back, right? Maybe. Uh, I only have a few more things here. Uh, the big one is one One's return, while comforting, is meant to show that he isn't really seen as a force of good for everybody, because him being an antagonist to the lake stands in contrast to him being Tulip's funny, joking little companion. Just, a, just an interesting observation that it's like, yeah, we re remember him as that. But from Lake's perspective, he's very much not that. He's, like, kind of a dick standing in her way, or their way. <laughs> so, yeah. 
It's 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 like yeah, it's like that's the most that you would really be able to bring back one of the previous characters, I think, because it's like yeah, it's in a different light, and it's you know the main person who runs the train makes sense that you would bring back yeah. one one and nobody else. <laughs> uh, there were a few scrapped tape memories that included Jesse's memories of the swim team and the train arriving while he sat on the hill after Nate's injury, but those got scrapped just because of time. And there, it was also an intended bit of symbolism that the train really never acknowledges Link's number on its own, but rather that they have to force it to do so by having to physically grab Jesse's hands. Basically just being like, hey, I exist, fuck you, recognize me, asshole, kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, Jeff Liu, who is an animator for Steven Universe, is brought on to animate the sequence where Alan Dracula blows up Civ. It's <laughs> pretty amusing that it's like, oh yeah, I, I recognize that animator from all of Steven Universe. <laughs> pretty fun that they like, were like, we don't have a person who can really animate this well, so we brought on a guy from Steven Universe to do so, to just have a deer blow up a cop. <laughs> <laughs> And the last thing I have here is that Alan Dracula's feet turning into rockets and blasting off was the first joke actually written for him, with the writers making sure to avoid showing him fly ever again for the entire season just to have this one gag pay off. <laughs> like, yes, we, we have to show him, like, walk up stuff or need to be, like, like carried or climb up stuff. We can't show him fly because it would not let us pay off this joke here at the end where he just blasts off Team Rocket style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's everything i got though it's a lot because it's I already a miss alan dracula yeah i mean we at least know that he's doing all right back in the uh the family tree car he's just hanging out there eating leaves and stuff yeah yeah but he's gonna be okay he's perfectly ordinary deer after all and everyone knows that that goes well yep um Hey, I'm sitting on the Infinity Train wiki right now, and I would just like to say uh, Max is an official sponsor, and in fact, the official sponsor, and in fact, is included in the search bar, so uh, go flip them off, y'all. Oh boy, yeah. That that transition sure has been entirely smooth for HBO, huh? <laughs> yeah, but that's also specifically the app that killed Infinity Train, so yep. they should not be sponsoring mm -hmm. this wiki. Yep. Go Yep. Stick your heads in a bucket. Whatever. Yep. Get fucked. <laughs> David Sasloff has an address, and while I may not know it, I'm sure I can find it. <laughs> fucking adding him to the the warning list of like, hey, <laughs> it's on fucking site. <laughs> Kick you in the fucking ass, yeah. my guy. <laughs> nah, I mean that's not his fault. He did a whole bunch of he's, other stupid and awful still, stuff, but Infinity Train died yeah, before he was brought on board. He's still done shit things ever since being brought on board, to be fair. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> There's other absolutely. things he did kicking the ass for. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 well, I, I'm still a little bit sad about the fact that there's like a good amount of people who really still hope that Season 5 gets made, where it's like, I feel like that ship has sailed at this point. Absolutely. <laughs> It's it's very weird, right? Because it's like, I could foresee a future in which a season five gets made, but it's not going to happen for a long time, and not unless HBO dramatically redirects its interests. Yeah, like because right now they just they don't want any, like they, they cut back on all their scripted media, 
They don't want cartoons. They're basically interested in, like, I don't even know, less drama and less cartoon media. Yeah. Just Sesame Street, I think, is all they want right now. <laughs> it, it's mostly so. just that it's, like, it's been long enough that I feel like it would kind of take a bit of a miracle for them to actually get to make that. Because also, I'd read that, like, it was intended to be a movie and not, like, a full season. But well, it was supposed to, to be, be a season, yeah, to, and then it got repitched as a movie to try and keep things going. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, a movie would be the same length, basically, as one, as a season of these episodes, because it's like, that's an hour and 40 minutes anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... I see the potential, I just don't think it's very likely, unless the unions win really, really big. <laughs> yeah. Which, who knows how that's going to go, because, like, all these CEOs do their damnedest to stop them from being able to. Yeah, it's really weird how the industry is still going, despite losing, like, $4 billion a day. Yeah, and again, it's like, yeah, you remember that that's a fraction of what the unions are even asking for, and it's like, you are losing way more by being assholes compared to just fucking paying people their due. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they don't they obviously don't see it that way they would see like paying people a livable wage as having to like bend down for them yeah yeah and yeah, i think it might end up getting bigger because sag has been doing a lot of talking with the wga lately so we'll see it's very possible that saslov <laughs> has the job for six months and then gets every union in Hollywood up against him. <laughs> well, it's it's like, uh, I, I kind of wonder if there would be like a defunct land on just about him, like how there's been like so many episodes about like, here's all the ways that Michael Eisner fucked up Disney. <laughs> well, I don't think that's exactly likely though, because that is specifically related to theme park stuff and True. HBO isn't. Yeah, well, some of the Eisner stuff was related to like programming and movies rather than just the parks too. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but you see the direct line. Yeah, though. That's, it's still it's a theme park show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the uh, Funkland has covered also like like just TV shows in general as well at times too. Like, I mean, he covered like the Bear in the Big Blue House <laughs> as a series. <laughs> it's like what happened there kind of deal. I don't. Yeah, see, that doesn't make no sense. That's not on theme. <laughs> well, uh, he started branching out because, like, I mean, that that channel originally started is like we're gonna bring back this old railroad coaster that got killed off ages ago in our fictitious park or whatever. And then eventually he was like, actually, that's not the most interesting pitch. I'm just gonna actually examine how like Walt Disney was fucked. Because <laughs> turns out Walt Disney was really fucked. <laughs> I think Bear in the Big Blue House had a show at Universal for a while, so I will allow it on those grounds. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar, yeah. I feel like that's the case. But yeah, but, but yes, like, even uh, just like... The... Obviously, it is my job to dictate other shows' content. <laughs> but yeah, but like, I mean, even just the episode about, like, what happened, like, where did the Disney Channel theme those four notes come from? And it's like, that's just investigative journalism, actually. That's that's not really related to parks. That's just like, who made the da 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 jingle or whatever. <laughs> God, God, the fucking, uh, the fucking well... Fast Pass episode has 17 million views. Holy fuck. <laughs> people like listening to a man talk for close to two hours about how fucked fast pass was <laughs> 17 million yeah 
I mean, even even the, Dis- the Disney Channel theme one has close to five million at this point. Like, I'm, I'm, like his average is like around like at least a million on most of them. Like closer to like sometime like two or three million on most of the usual episodes. But like uh, seventeen million is one point seven thousand times as many people as watch Ron DeSantis and <laughs> running for president. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Like God, even the Darkfield Dark, <laughs> even the Garfield Dark ride has almost broken three million. That's only been out for a year at this point. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think I think right, a lot well, of people were too in- enamored with the fact that like it literally ends with I don't know how to put this nicely, but a lot of you were gay on the Garfield Dark ride. <laughs> okay, well I think we probably need to wrap it up here Maybe. because we've been talking about someone else's show for a while. <laughs> hey, Kevin Perger does good shit. <laughs> I'm not debating that, but that's not what we talk about on this show, and we're just kind of advertising right now. <laughs> Kevin Perger, hit us up. We'll cross-promote for you if you cross-promote for us. <laughs> Listen, it's only fair. I got my Turtles and Spider-Man talk. You got your... <laughs> I got my Michael Eisner is a fucker <laughs> bit. <laughs> Listen, at least yours wasn't the worst corporate media. <laughs> fair (laughs) (sighs) all right um so if you have enjoyed this season you can see us once again next week for uh the beginning of book three where we'll be talking about a bunch of child fascists yeah yeah i'm still really curious about how that's gonna go because it's like ever since you told me grace is the main character i was like oh boy they they got their work cut out for them already with how much they made her just look like an asshole Uh, let me put it this way. The moments in this season when it gets dark, we're going to be there, like, for the next five episodes. <laughs> oh, but wait, so you're telling me that, like, this uh, book goes dark around, like, episode four or five? <laughs> it just stays that way? <laughs> no, for the next five-hour episodes. <laughs> oh, okay, so all of book three. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Hmm. Folks, we are in the grim season. Um, I know it hasn't already uh, been uh, pretty grim at times of dealing with your parents being divorced and also the system not recognizing you as a person. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Mm-mm. We're going darker. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I can only imagine what book four will have in store then. <laughs> uh, you know, I couldn't tell you book four is the only one I haven't oh, watched yeah, yet. Oh yeah, true. So. Yeah, we 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 are both. That it's gonna be interesting because it's like usually one of us has known stuff about the season, uh, the series. Usually you because you knew about Shira and most of this, whereas I know next yeah. to nothing. <laughs> this is the first time we're really going in blind, I guess. Uh, outside of the yeah, House yeah. Aspects. Aside from like when we were getting closer to like mid season two of Arrow House, yeah. <laughs> But yes, uh, so if you have enjoyed this uh, rambling about Spider-Man and Ninja Turtles, you can catch me on Twitter at Patch underscore Jacket, on co-host at Nobody, and while I don't get to talk about Spider-Man or the Ninja Turtles, I do play in actual play games on the first and fourth Saturdays of every month at 3pm. You're looking for twitch.tv slash the transverse, and uh, it's a good time. also, a third game should be coming out fairly soon as a YouTube-only release in which I play uh, an extremely anxious murder bot who accidentally gains sentience. So, so you play murder bot <laughs> from the book series Murder Bot. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I, I think oh, the no, joke no, no, there no, no. about murder bot is murder bot actually doesn't do murder. <laughs> it's just called murder bot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm not as uh not as active doing stuff like that on the internet, but I'm I'm still on Twitter at the underscore oblivion and just oblivion on co-host. Again, if I say at some point I'll remember my co-host login and actually post on there, because I really should actually <laughs> figure that out so I can post the episodes on there because Twitter continues to be a fucking tire fire. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't really do any like streaming of stuff. Like I mean. Well, I mean, I do the weekly last play on our Patreon, but that's it, really. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Well, uh, oh, we do also need to plug the podcast Twitter because I didn't do that. Oh, uh, yeah, we always earlier, we so... always tend to forget that one, but also most people know it at this point, I think. <laughs> yeah, so we're at Osviertoscast on Twitter. Check it out. Uh, Viv, Viv makes custom images for every episode. No, it's, it's not custom. Like, you gotta it's not look at custom those. images. It's me putting silly text over a picture from the episodes and cover. If you take a picture from the episode and put text over it, that's a custom image. You made a meme. <laughs> it's definitely not a meme. <laughs> that's, that's definitely not me doing the you made this, I made this thing. That's that's not anywhere close to this. This is me just like putting a funny observation like, this is a cool ass deer. <laughs> Yeah, that's what a meme is. No. <laughs> you take There's, an image and put what, a text what I, over it. What that's... I do is like the original like lol cats. It's like the, I can I cannot you know like I can have cheeseburger equivalent of what a meme used to be compared to what memes are now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, go look at Viv's work. Uh, it's good. And until next time, remember. <laughs> Weirdos have to stick together. together. Bye. Bye. Push cops off trains.